1: All right, welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is September 1st, 2020, and there's about 40 people today of Orthodox faith that are celebrating today. I am one of them. So happy name day to all of you. Uh, so uh, I have a lot, we have a lot to go through. I thought we would start with Turkey because I want us to listen to the full um, Ingram Allen uh, um, Ingram Angle interview and um, some other uh, statements of the president uh, because this is going to be quite important um, uh, coming up at the end of September. So I wanted to start it, I wanted to start with our global affairs. I am working on a story out in the Eastern Mediterranean, but I thought um, I could just give you guys an update on what's going on there. So. For years now, I've been telling you that this is where the war will centralize itself. Uh, More so of uh, the position of Idlib, right, and why they're attacking the eastern Mediterranean. Uh, But now things are actually really heating up. And it's really important we just pay attention to it. It's not happening yet, but it's kind of happening. Here we go. Let me play this for you. August 10,
2: Turkey sent the Oruç Reis to the Aegean Sea to search for energy deposits. Escorted by Turkish naval ships, the seismic research vessel was deployed south of the Greek island of Castellorizo, waters not far from the Turkish coast, but a maritime zone claimed by Greece. The reaction was immediate. Supported by European allies, France, Italy, and Cyprus, Athens put its army on alert and sent its navy and air force to the area. The standoff between the two nato allies was underway
3: greece will defend its sovereignty and its rights we are calling on turkey to immediately leave the greek continental shelf turkey will take what is its right in the mediterranean in the aegean and in the black sea we will never compromise on what belongs to us
2: At the heart of the conflict are these maritime borders, laid out in the 1982 UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. But Turkey never ratified it. As researcher Didier Billion explains, Turkey sees the exclusive economic zones established by international law as unjust, leaving the country virtually landlocked.
4: In reality, all you have to do is look at a map and see the special configuration of the Aegean Sea, and the south coast of Turkey. If we mechanically apply international maritime laws, then the Aegean Sea automatically becomes what we call a Greek lake. And the south Turkish coast is also under Greek control. And Turkey cannot accept that.
2: The dispute has been going on for decades. In 1996, the two countries narrowly avoided a war over two uninhabited islands in the Aegean. But in recent years, the conflict has taken on a new dimension. Thanks to deep water exploration technology, immense reserves of natural gas were discovered in the East Mediterranean.
1: Okay, guys, I just want you to take a look at this um, picture here, okay? So it can help you. So remember how I told you that Tripoli uh, has a foster army of, you know, they have the military as foster from Turkey and Qatar, right? So because they have that, this allows Turkey to freely cross these coasts over here. So it allows them to patrol here and here because they can come through. This is the concern that all these nations, Egypt, Israel, uh, Lebanon, Cyprus, uh, Greece, um, uh, and Libya, obviously, except for Tripoli, had because all of this was being patrolled by the Turkish people, Because the U.N. allowed them to. I wanted to make that clear to you.
2: Their potential is estimated at billions of cubic meters, the equivalent of the reserves found in Norway, one of the world's biggest natural gas producers. And recently, oil reserves were found just several thousand nautical miles from the waters being explored by the Turkish ship.
4: Obviously, everyone is racing to try and exploit these reserves for their own profit. So clearly, if this part of the eastern Mediterranean is under Greek domination, that would leave Greece a virtual monopoly on exploiting the gas reserves.
2: A scenario that's out of the question for Turkey, especially considering the country imports 99% of its gas, most of it purchased from Russia. Ankara could desperately use cheaper energy, and to add weight to their claim to sovereignty, last November, the Turkish president signed a deal with the Libyan government. As seen on this map, it redraws their maritime borders, giving Turkey access.
1: So listen to that, what they said. They said that they get most of their gas from Russia. Actually, over here is where they actually have all their pipes going out east, going out south, and they get into Syria and they pipe up with Iran. So I don't know where they're stating this. But on the other hand, they're also stating that they were supposed to have more territory when they gave away most of the territory in the other surrounding bodies of water. See, they're speaking half of the agreement. But as you can see, they're referring to Libya as the uh, genuine government, but they failed to tell you that it's only the Tripoli government, which is like that little, little piece of land. Uh, it's a city. It's a damn city. And they have nominated it as the lawful government, but it's only the UN that recognizes this.
2: Access to certain waters claimed by Greece and Cyprus. Furious, Greece made a similar deal of its own with Egypt in early August, angering Ankara. Greece has also allied with Cyprus and Israel to build a pipeline that would bring the Eastern Mediterranean's natural gas to Europe. Another frustration for Turkey as it seeks to compete in the region.
4: Turkey is not trying to be expansionist. It's not aiming for territorial conquest, but it wants to protect its interests. Turkey has understood that it's a crucial player in the region in size and population was more than 80 million people And in regard to its geographical position, all that has to be considered.
2: For Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, whose country is facing the collapse of its national currency, the stakes are also political.
4: If the economic situation, already strained by the coronavirus pandemic, gets even worse, there would clearly be political implications, which is to say that part of Erdogan's base could abandon him at the next election. So, Mr. Erdogan, once again, as he often does, is attempting to ward off political problems by playing on nationalist sentiments, which are always very sensitive in Turkey.
2: Concerned by the risk of a military conflict in the Mediterranean, Germany, the current president of the EU Council, is calling for dialogue between Athens and Ankara. When it comes to negotiating with the EU, Turkey has an important bargaining chip. The already fragile 2016 migrant deal under which Turkey acts as a guardian, preventing people from reaching Europe.
1: Okay, so now that we've seen this, let's look. They said they want to get and be competitors because they assi- they created a deal. We've already revisited this a while back. Whoa, I have to say like over a year and a half ago. But here's their infrastructure. So as you can see, they say poor Turkey. They... Can turn on and off all access. So this is where they get all their oil from. Well, there's more because they extend; it goes out. There's Oman. Uh, there's it's it's like I said. They have the keys to the kingdom. They take all the gas, and they're the ones that are supplying it. So what Greece and Israel and Egypt and Cyprus have is a huge load of gas here that no one has exploited because they don't want to ruin the water, if I remember correctly, was one of the arguments they said. But over here where Turkey is disputing, right? you have to understand that there's a lot of uranium and other metals that they want. And the Greeks had also said that they didn't want to ruin the waters. And this was, I, if I remember correctly, like 80s, they were discussing this uh, with the EU that was asking for exploitation. So if you also remember last week, I, I believe, or two weeks ago, Turkey said that they found water here, as you could see, uh, they found gas here in the black sea. So they would abandon their drilling in Greece, and Cyprus. But instead, they've sent out more military ships. And I would be concerned as well if suddenly they're able to patrol my waters when they're an enemy. So this is where the the gas that they found is in the Black Sea. But as you can also see, this is an old map, by the way. Uh, These pipelines here have already been built. So how do you discover gas now when you've already Created pipelines? Are you saying you didn't survey the ground, uh, the ground floor of the sea? Are you saying that you didn't see it? Because this whole area has been surveyed fully, like I told you guys a couple weeks ago, and now they're claiming they found gas, which is only going to spark issues with Russia, Ukraine, Crimea, um, and the other European nations like Romania and Bulgaria. Um, Georgia is independent, but they're pretty much Mother Russia, too, right? <laughs> so, This is the conflict that's happening right now, and it seems that it's really heating up because they're on high alert in the eastern Mediterranean. Cyprus is actually preparing for military response. Here's a report that was um, really interesting because Turkey's running military drills And that was scary to see.
5: The gunnery exercise began on Saturday and will go on until 11th of September. Turkey's standoff with Greece has attracted sharp criticism from the European Union. EU's top diplomat has said that the bloc is preparing sanctions against Turkey. These sanctions will be on the agenda when EU leaders meet on the 24th of September. Meanwhile, France is all set to provide military assistance to Greece in the form of 18 Rafale jets, which will help counter Turkey's F-16s. Ten of the arriving Rafales will be the latest F-3R variants, while the rest are expected to be second-hand jets, for which Greece will not have to make any payments. Turkish President oh, okay. Recep Tayyip Erdogan continued his attack on both Greece and France, calling President Macron and Prime Minister Mitsotaki is incompetent and greedy. Listen in to what he had to say.
6: Yunan halkı muhteris ve kifayetsiz yöneticileri yüzünden başlarına geleceklerini kabul ediyor mu? Fransız halkı muhteris ve kifayetsiz yöneticileri yüzünden ödeyecekleri bedelleri biliyor mu?
5: A spokesperson of Turkey's ruling party is also accusing Greece of militarizing the island of Mace. Ankara pointed out that a 1947 peace treaty calls for the island to remain demilitarized. The Turkish spokesperson said it was stupid of Greece to point guns at Turkish shores.
1: Uh, You know, this guy actually had communications with Ilhan Omar, right? I I just wanted to point that out too.
5: So tensions have been escalating between Greece and Turkey over gas exploration rights in the Mediterranean. Greek armed forces were put on alert after Turkey sent a drilling ship to the disputed region. Following which Ankara warned Athens of retaliation, Greece also signed a deal with Egypt to form an exclusive economic zone in the Mediterranean. This was done to counter a similar agreement between Turkey and Libya. for these continuing rising tensions let's get in a sense of perspective as to what's happening between greece and turkey for that i'm joined in by our guest professor muzaffer samel who's joining us live from istanbul he is a west asia analyst and the deputy director at the istanbul sahar university a very warm welcome to you professor professor let me begin by asking you the dispute is fast becoming militarized there's no doubt about it how do you view them with regards to the 1947 peace treaty which calls for demilitarization
0: uh, conflict over the maritime zone in the Eastern Mediterranean, especially in terms of the agency as well, is becoming increasingly militarized, risking a conflict between two NATO members and uh, which is one of them is not EU member, which is also an important issue as in your our, uh, news uh, that also uh, gave it. Any small spark in this region would lead could lead a catastrophe. Uh, as of today, these, as you know, that the France and uh, Cyprus wants once uh, a t- tough line against Turkey, uncom- uncompromising and security-minded policies. They are uh, following. While Germany, Spain, and Italy, uh, favouring more concili- ter- uh, conciliatory approach, more comp- compromising approach, uh, it will uh, s- uh, this will lead a kind of uh, Turkish-Greek tension will uh, will ease. The de- the de- de- escalation will come if. The German, Spain, and Italy uh, approaches will come to the, the table as of today. As we know that the Greek and Turkey uh, have agreed on exploratory talks, but as of today, they did not. Uh, they they are not agreed on the, what topics should be included. While Turkey wants to as a whole, uh, between uh, both Eastern Mediterranean and Aegean Sea issues should be in one package. Right the greeks is wants to just on focusing on the eastern mediterranean this is the main let's say division as of today in the exploratory talks right. but uh, one thing more maybe is, uh, without any preconditions they should start soon otherwise it it seems difficult
5: All right. Without any preconditions is an important and a very valid clause that you've mentioned. Also, Professor, tensions in eastern Mediterranean are nothing new. Why are the two countries locked in a dispute over drilling rights? And how crucial is Cyprus in the larger picture?
0: I mean, in terms of the, since uh, uh, there is no delimitation of the maritime zones in the Aegean and the Mediterranean. There is no agreement between two countries. That's why this is the main problem. Till now, uh, none of the governments in the region in both countries have deliberately neglected what uh, the governments deliberately neglected to the issue to sign an agreement uh, to to draw for the demarcation of the uh, maritime zone this is the main issue without having any deal it's these uh, tensions is still will be con- uh, will continue we need deal here without deal tensions inevitable are inevitable. Saturday. It's an issue difficult to solve. It, its political cost is too high. Right. Uh, but it is important to note that the fact, real facts, are something different than speculations right. I and mean, unilateral claims. Here is unilateral, unilateral claims is uh, takes the priority. Unfortunately, since both sides have to right to to say this is the, our maritime zones, but both sides has to have to abstain from any unilateral actions, since these un, the unilateral actions are uh, violating the other's rights.
1: Right, and since remember, so this nation uh, that you know that's conflicting the the way it is, Turkey and Greece, all these ratifications and these borders that were drawn were signed on by many nations post-World War II. Uh, they took a lot away from Turkey, uh, but well, the Ottoman Empire. So they gave back uh, Mecca uh, to the Arab nations, and they gave back territory. I mean, if you actually look at the history, of what the Ottoman Empire was and they're conquering, you would understand. And the fact that Qatar and um, Turkey have been aligning themselves with these things is terrifying because they're getting more and more aggressive and, you know, performing military drills and no one really has stopped them. It's been escalating for two years and you've had the Germans sitting there saying, oh, don't be bad, be a good boy, Erdogan, doing nothing. And so the uh, the agreement that was placed, but facilitated by the UN uh, between Turkey and Tripoli is what sealed the deal. When you have a mutual defense agreement, it means that your military will defend that nation. You will join them uh, to defend them if they go to war. That's the kind of agreement that Russia has with Syria, hence why Russia is fighting with Assad, because they've had that agreement in place from the 70s, when Turkey invaded Cyprus and took half of it, it was at that period of time. So, what the UN did was it facilitated an agreement of mutual defense with Tripoli for Turkey and Qatar. Now, um, they worked together, both Qatar, Qatar, remember, is the nation that is the head, well, that appealed to be the headquarters. For Taliban, the Taliban is a political party in Afghanistan, but their headquarters is in Qatar, which is very interesting. And that is what the um, meeting that President Trump, remember, said that he was going to have with people of the Taliban for negotiations that was canceled. It was all about that because they were fighting to get their headquarters in Qatar, and you know that's a very huge issue to have an active, radicalized, was a political party, not so much a political party because it was uh, fanaticized and radicalized in the 80s with the uh, Russian Jihad Wars. So we have that. And now what happened was all the other nations that border that Mediterranean area, the Eastern Mediterranean, created mutual defense agreements amongst themselves. And that also includes in October of 2019, where the U.S. Pompeo actually facilitated and a new military um, mutual defense agreement uh, was signed between the United States and Greece. So this is way bigger than what anyone is discussing. Uh, And what's concerning is, is that they should make it clear because, you know, you don't want to wake up one day and people are just shooting at each other, implosions, explosions, and the whole nine yards. That's the concern here, uh, that they're playing it down as simple, you know, squabbles for water when it's a lot more dangerous. And so taking into consideration that Hagia Sophia uh, was, uh, was the, you know, flagship orthodoxy church. And Erdogan decided during these heightened tensions to not only make it a mosque, but to have, when the service was being done, climb up with the Ottoman sword was a threat. I mean, a lot of people don't understand how important that is. Um, uh, PKK uh, is being painted as a terrorist group. By only Turkey. So it's just so weird how these dynamics in that area is is working and how it's being done. Uh, you know, we have Turkish special forces that wear u s. military uniforms when they're going to ambush PKK units. This is how they operate. And that's the concern. And the Al Qaeda group, um, you know, had very strong ties um, well, with the Muslim Brotherhood and um, with uh, groups in Libya that are in Tripoli. So this is, you know, bigger than anyone says. And even Russian analysts are claiming that there's going to be huge blows in that area. Uh, we we have to I mean we should all be praying because if war sparks there it would be pretty well it wouldn't be good it would it is World War three and that's where we're heading and the underplaying of what is going on there is most concerning uh, for me uh, because it should be given. Oops! It should be given the weight that it is. So let's start before we get into uh, more of the analysis. We, we, I'd like to put on um, our president who spoke right before he left for Kenosha uh, to the press. So here we go. Uh, this just happened earlier, and that way we can see what he had to say.
7: Here we go. ...closed up, very productive, and maybe we'll be very nicely surprised. They had it closed up, and I think they would to see it open, along with a lot of other football that's being played right now. So thank you very much, and thank you to Kevin. Mr. President, can you,
6: you the tell us... Will you be meeting
7: with the family of Jacob Blake? I don't know yet. Uh, we'll see. We'll be making that determination. I don't know yet. President, can you tell us more about
8: this plot that you were referring to on Fox News last night? which? This plot of people gathering on a plane uh, in here?
7: Yeah, I could tell you that uh, I could probably refer you to the person and they could do it. I'd like to ask that person if it was okay, but a person was on a plane, uh, said that there were about six people like that person, more or less. And what happened is the entire plane filled up with the looters, the anarchists, the rioters, people that obviously were looking for trouble. And the person felt very uncomfortable on the plane. This would be a person you know, so I will see whether or not I can get that person. I'll let them know and I'll see whether or not I can get that person to speak to you. But this was a first-hand account of a plane going from Washington to wherever. And I'll see if I can get that information for you. Maybe they'll speak to you, maybe they won't. Sorry.
8: Are you concerned at all by the the armed militias on the streets? Are there worries, or are
7: they to be ignored? Uh, I think a lot of people are looking at what's happening to these Democrat-run cities, and they're disgusted. They see what's going on, and they can't believe this is taking place in our country. I can't believe it either. One of the reasons I'm making the trip today and going to Wisconsin is we've had such a big success in shutting down what would be. Right now, a city that would have been, Kenosha, a city that would have been burnt to the ground by now. And uh, we're going to really uh, say hello to law enforcement and the National Guard. And it all stopped immediately upon the National Guard's arrival. So, uh, you know, be easy to stop. I saw last night where these radical anarchists uh, were trying to get into the mayor's house, and lots of bad things were happening to this poor, foolish, very stupid mayor. I mean, how he could be mayor, I I have no idea. But all he has to do is call, and within 10 minutes, their problem will be over. As you know, they have to call us, they have to call and request help. All he has to do is call, and the problem will end. They had tremendous numbers of people really harassing him horribly, and I guess trying to break into his house. And he still sticks up with him because he's a fool. Only a fool would stick up for him like that. These are anarchists. These are agitators. They're rioters. They're looters. They're bad people. They're burning down Portland. And you take a look at that. You take a look at the scenes last night. And then the fake news media will say that they're friendly protesters. Because you people, I'll tell you, if we only had an honest press in this country, it would be much more advanced. But we have a very dishonest press. Yes, President, can you
8: Mr. you've spoken a lot about the anarchy that you're referring to. What about racial divisions? Would you like to bridge some of those gaps?
7: And do you yeah, think I that would, anything I would. that you're saying is helping with that? I think it's helping because I'm about law and order. And if you look at uh, the black community, they want the police to help them stop crime. The Hispanic community, they want police. 82 percent, 84 percent, numbers that you haven't even seen. They don't want crime. They don't want to be mugged. They don't want to have any problems. And it's just a shame. And as far as the previous uh, administration, take a look at Baltimore. What happened? Was it Freddie Gray? Take a look at Baltimore. Take a look at St. Louis. Take a look at Ferguson. Take a look at what happened. What they had was put what we're doing, it put them to shame, put it to shame. Take a look at those places. And you always had Portland. Portland's been like this. I read an article today for 50 years. This has been going on. I'd like to stop it, and we could stop it quickly. All they have to do is say, okay, president, now we're ready. Now we're ready. When I watched that scene last night with all of those really horrible people outside of the mayor's house, I also saw the way they shot the young gentleman in the street. He was targeted. They targeted him. They shot him in the street, and then they were so happy and he died. You don't mention that. You mentioned somebody sprayed painted somebody from the other side. They shot a man in the street. They executed a man in the street. A religious man in the street. And you don't mention, it's not even a story. You talk about other things. The press should be ashamed of themselves. I think the press is actually, the media, Is what's fueling this, more so than even Biden, because Biden doesn't know he's alive. The press is really fueling this, and they're fueling it horribly, and you're doing a great disservice to your country. Okay, any other questions? I may. No, I may. I'm also going to be speaking with a pastor who was talking to, as per your question previously, a very well-involved and respected man. I look forward to that. I spoke to him yesterday, by the way, uh, pastor of the family, as you know. And I spoke to him yesterday, had a great conversation. I think he's going to be there. But I'm speaking really today. I'm there for law enforcement and for the National Guard because they've done a great job in Kenosha. They put out the flame immediately. As soon as they came in, boom, the flame was gone. Now maybe it'll start up again, in which case they'll put it out very powerfully.
8: And what percentage you want, if any, of it that
7: year? Well, I told them that uh, they have till September 15th to make a deal. After that, we close it up in this country. And uh, I said that the United States has to be compensated, well compensated, because we are the ones that are it possible. And so we should be compensated. So the Treasury has to be well compensated.
8: President, do you have an update on airlines, uh, what your administration wants to do to help
7: airlines? Well, we'll be helping the airlines, yeah. We'll be helping the airlines. You have to help the airlines. Tough business always is. Airlines are a tough business in good times. And uh, we're about ready to get back to good times. you look at the numbers this morning, some of the numbers coming out are incredible. We have now the all-time highest stock market, if you take the average. We're at a number that nobody would even believe. We're doing well. We have tremendous uh i tell you we have tremendous uh what would you say is the best word the enthusiasm for the country the enthusiasm for the comeback the v you look at the v now i think it's a super v and morgan stanley of course which is one of the most respected on wall street would you say And they just made a big prediction you know what the prediction was right that president trump is going to remain president so we'll have to see We'll have to see, but I don't, I cannot imagine anything else because if somebody else got in, namely my opponent, your stock markets, instead of being records right now, they will crash. Your 401ks will be down to nothing. Your stocks will be down to nothing. And we will have a depression like you've never seen before. We're going to have an incredible economy. Next year is going to be one of the best years that we've ever had. And everybody's getting a big tax cut. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're working with the drug companies on substantially lowering drug prices. Uh, I've put out a favored nations clause, I've signed it. That means we get the lowest prices anywhere in the world, we match whoever gets the lowest. And the drug companies have a real problem with that, so they're coming in to see me, and we expect to get a very substantial uh, price reduction in prescription drugs, which has never been done before. They're coming. Yeah. They're coming.
1: This week. Okay. So I hadn't heard that. Um, and I thought that they would have asked uh, more about what's happening uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean, just to tidy up. We know what's happening. The thing is, things are escalating. Someone said, well, since we've seen the war in the Eastern Mediterranean, uh, you know, how, you know, why is it now different? Well, today, I just wanted to say, and this was the news that I was getting, there was a an emir in Turkey called Mahmoud Ozden. And um, he was planning on kidnapping politicians. And he was actually arrested uh, by Erdogan. Um, you know, this, this was actually announced earlier this week, but they actually arrested him. So they, they got his computer um, that he was getting orders from Iraq and Syria, um, you know, by, you know, creating little groups to kidnap people. So... Uh, Erdogan's police actually seized plans on how to kidnap these politicians and to take them into Syria. It was just, it's just been so bizarre. Hence why I was expecting someone to say something, because this sounds like another coup and they're claiming that all of this is coming from Iraq and Syria. And let's remember, uh, it was in 2019 uh, that Turkish officials were murdered in Iraq and in Syria. So this is getting, this is escalating in the in the background too. Aside from what we're seeing, the maritime, um, you know, tugging all these new uh, mutual defense agreements in place, it's getting so murky because now there's a uh, an undertone of uh, nefarious type activities. Was there really a, a plan to kidnap these individuals? And if so, they're claiming it's coming from Iraq and Syria, which is highly concerning. This is the point of saying, oh no, things are about to go down. And yes, it, indeed, it sounds like a deep state type operation and the fact that Turkey, um, you know, the fact that Germany just came out to say something Almost makes me feel, uh, and this is what I'm looking into to see if indeed that coup is orchestrated by Iraqis and Syrians, what kind of groups there would do it? Because you have uh, the radicalized groups, uh, you know, because Iraq and Syria don't have amazing relationships. So there's got to be a faction that's sitting there. And U.S. intelligence would obviously know, because if you remember, even in Syria, we didn't have our troops. We had private contractors there uh, to do the job of the military, uh, because that is usually how it's done. So that is a one dynamic. That was a not a I don't want to say a curveball, OK, because it's expected there's going to be all these plots. But the question is, when you have Faction in Syria and Iraq, how is that happening uh, simultaneously? Because they're claiming that they seized computers and that he was taking orders from them. This isn't Amir, this isn't just anybody. Um, and that is um, concerning because this is Adana Amir, right? Uh, and he was arrested. So this is getting very interesting very quickly coupled with the fact that they're coming out. Uh, and and this is why I just thought I'd give you an update uh, because we don't really have any solid information on who the people are that are conducting uh, or mm, I, I don't want to say conducting, but ushering such a coup. I mean, how do you kidnap uh, political officials and, Not expect to be caught. I mean, you know, who does that? It's like someone saying that they're going to go kidnap our, you know, people, (laughs) the people of the house. You know, you don't just do that. So that's a really extreme thing. I want you to understand how crazy that sounds, but that's actually happening. So more on that to come. Obviously, this week it's going to get heated up. So I'm actually surprised that no one asked the president. About it. So, um, that, you know, the concern that I have is that that group that is supposedly organizing it is also linked to a sleeper group that we have within the United States, because that's the only place that I've seen um, Iraq and Syria work together. And they actually work under a bigger umbrella of um, actors. So, you know, this is serious stuff. It's pretty, pretty, pretty um, heavy duty. I was surprised. I hadn't heard the the questions from the press while he was getting ready to leave for Kenosha, and I'm just shocked that no one brought that up. Um, I want to play a clip from Fox, uh, who is telling us who President Trump is visiting Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin, today. Um, But remember, the mayor didn't want him there because if the president goes there, then uh, there's a jurisdiction handover where Secret Service and um, certain other instruments of the executive branch have access, unfettered access to security, communications. And this is why uh, the mayor did not want the president going there. Take a listen
8: The big story. We're following President Trump to visit Kenosha, Wisconsin. Later today, he will meet with law enforcement and survey damage from protests over the police shooting of Jacob Blake, a 17 year old from Illinois now accused of killing two people with a semi-automatic rifle during that unrest. The White House says the president can help the city heal. But Kenosha's mayor, like Wisconsin's governor, is asking him to stay
9: away. We always have room for presidents to come to visit, uh, candidates to come to visit. That's the, the process that you have, and it's something that we, would, we appreciate and have people do. But uh, the timing on this, we felt, was not good.
8: Mark Meredith is live for us on the ground in Kenosha. Mark.
3: Trace, good morning to you. The president says he'll be coming here to Kenosha so he can meet with the residents that have been dealing with this civil unrest here the last several days. He's only going to be on the ground here for about three hours, and we know on the schedule is a stop at an emergency operations center, also a chance to hold a round table on community safety. One thing that's not on the president's schedule, though, a meeting with Jacob Blake's family. Blake was the man who was shot several times by police. His family says he is now paralyzed, and an investigation is underway to find out exactly what led up to that shooting. But the president says he wanted to come here to Wisconsin to get a better idea of what things are happening as things have calmed down here the last several days.
7: I am a tremendous fan of law enforcement, and I want to thank the law enforcement. They've done a good job. And when the governor says that I shouldn't come or he'd prefer that I not come, I'm the one that called and said, Tony, you got to bring out the National Guard.
3: But well, Wisconsin Governor Democrat Tony Evers sent a letter Sunday essentially telling the president not to visit Kenosha. And in the letter, he said a presidential visit would tie up much needed resources. He also went on to say, quote, I am concerned your presence will only hinder our healing. I am concerned your presence will only delay our work to overcome division and move forward together. While we've been here, we have seen an increase in the law enforcement on the ground in Kenosha. The National Guard is also here. This morning, though, a lot of residents are coming out, getting coffee, going for their runs. But at night, there is still a curfew. We saw that last night as we were out to dinner, we got an alert on our phone trace that indicated they wanted people to go back home. They even told the gas stations in the area to go ahead and shut off the fuel pumps to make sure people did not stay out trace mark meredith live for us on the ground in kenosha mark thank you
1: interesting right turn off the fuel pump so people don't go out that's pretty crazy so what is up with all these mayors uh apparently people are at mayor wheeler's house uh demanding his resignation uh you know Where are the sheriffs? People have elected them. The city is on fire. People are terrorized to go outside. People are being killed and he's doing nothing. And now protesters are asking for his resignation.
8: Overnight in Portland, Oregon, police declaring yet another riot after protesters set fire outside Mayor Ted Wheeler's home demanding his resignation. Meantime, we're learning more about the pro-Trump activist who was shot and killed over the weekend. Matt Finn live for us in Portland. And Matt, what are we learning about what happened last night? Trace, last night was the 96th night of unrest here in Portland. Police say this time a crowd of about 200 people marched to the mayor's condominium tower here in Portland and carried out another violent and dangerous riot. Police say on the way there, some of the rioters lit commercial-grade fireworks. They broke windows and burglarized a business, stealing furniture to feed flames. The rioters then lit a fire at the base of the mayor's building, Police declared an unlawful assembly and warned over a loudspeaker to immediately leave the area. Failure to do so may result in arrests and crowd control agents, but rioters did not leave. Police say someone threw burning material through a broken business window, and police are looking for that arson suspect this morning. 19 people were arrested. Now, here in Oregon, the governor has authorized state police to return to Portland to assist the police department, but the head of the police chiefs and sheriffs association and wrote a letter back to the governor saying state police will not be sent to Portland because criminal rioters are not being prosecuted or held accountable here. And the acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, wrote a strongly worded letter to Portland's mayor saying the mayor's inaction has fueled the violence, writing in part, I urge you to prioritize public safety to request federal assistance to restore law and order in Portland. We are standing by to support Portland. At the same time, President Trump has made it abundantly clear that there will come a point when state and local officials fail to protect its citizens from violence. The federal government will have no choice but to protect our American citizens. And this morning, police are investigating the shooting death of a man here uh, in the streets of Portland Saturday night race. And what, what else do we know about that victim? Well, police have now identified him as 39 year old Aaron Danielson. Police tell us that uh, the shooting was caught on video. So far, police have not released the name of a suspect. Danielson is believed to be associated with a conservative group, Patriot Prayer, that was part of a large pro President Trump group that caravan through Portland Saturday. That group ended up clashing with another one. And Danielson was shot dead in the streets and we'll keep you updated if they identify a shooter or make any arrest trace. Matt Finn live for us in Portland. Matt, thank you.
1: Wow. So that's the Shatternet net deployed right there. That's pretty insane, right? So we have full out blown war in our cities. It's um, it's, it's pretty sad that people are not, are not getting it, that this is a civil war and that we are in this war and yesterday, Biden, it, well, his his camp and himself supposedly claimed that they do not want riots. But for three months, cities have been burning. People have been killed. Children have been killed. Another one shot in a drive-by in uh, Columbus. Um, was it Columbus, I think? Uh, nine years old. They, they don't care. And I've said this when we saw the... Infodemic that hit our nation, they will stop at nothing. They will kill you. They killed our elderly just to prove their point and keep power. That is what they are doing. This is how they operate. You are nothing but a commodity to them. And that is exactly what you are. You are not, and you're nothing but a statistic to them. They do not care about you. They don't care about your children, your life, your business, your anything. It's all about them. That's the point. So let's just take a two-minute break to get some coffee, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So let's start on a, our um, on our president and what he had to say to us yesterday. Uh, but before we get to that, I want us to remember that it was around this time— uh, 2017, 2018. So 2017, um, uh, 2018 of September were very important months for us. Obviously, they were all leading up to some little elections, the midterm elections. But what we need to remember is that um, there are anonymous sources uh, that uh, the media, the mainstream media have providing them information. And we see, uh, we know now that many of these bad actors that uh, helped orchestrate this uh, Russia hoax uh, were indeed uh, obfuscating the actual crimes. So, I've many, many times referred to Carlin and how he resigned in 2016 because right after he provided the 702s. Now, I was working on my website yesterday and I wanted to um, talk about the um, National Security Division of the Justice Department. I actually started writing the article, but I'm trying to uh, revive it and fix it so it's easy uh, for people to maneuver. But uh, in 2009, there was an overhaul by Barack Hussein Obama in the NSD um, sector of the Department of Justice. These people are career politicians. And someone will say, but they're not politicians. Well, they are, because their jobs are set. So back in 2009, we had Brad Wegman Donald uh, Vieira, Todd Hinnan, Tashina Guajar, and George Toskis be placed in there. And these are people that have played very key roles in the orchestration, right, to obfuscate the crimes. I mean, what better thing than to have attorneys assist and create uh, the fabrication of their actual crimes? Uh, as stated many times before, the crimes that they committed had to do with their irresponsible... I, I don't want to say responsible because it was knowingly and willingly, right? Um, their abuse of the 72-hour collection bin. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to simplify it. So uh, yesterday there were news that Weigman was also uh, taken... Um, taken down, uh, and it's and it's funny, because how long did we have to wait for that to happen, and why? Uh, and why his name now comes up? As the president said yesterday, these are people you don't know the names of. I will urge you to follow uh, Loughner, uh of the Department of Justice, too. Uh, that will also be Coming out. These are names you don't hear of. And so people dismiss it or not report it because the mainstream media failed to report this information to the people to advise them hey, he got caught doing all this and uh, putting things, um, uh, I would say, um, putting things into perspective. Why is everyone saying that I'm offline? I don't see that. I see everybody. Can nobody, can, can you guys see me? Um, what's going on? I'm connected, right guys? Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I guess, um, they, I can see them. That's pretty interesting. I can, I, yeah. So Facebook and DLive are working, but Twitch is out. That's interesting. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So he was also taken down. So I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll just okay. That just threw me off right there. Okay, um, give me a second. Let me give me one moment, guys. Let me just see what's going on with my Twitch feed, if you don't mind. Just give me a moment. Let me take a look. Uh, Cause that's interesting. All right. So I still see people on Twitch, but um, so what I'll do is I'm just going to um, Redo this. It's pretty bizarre. I wonder if that worked Okay One moment guys. I'll be right back. I guess see let's see. So where was I at cuz that kind of threw me off my game right there That was unexpected so I want you to know that all these Obama appointees are going to be coming to the surface. They're names that you don't see. They're people that you know. That's how it that's how they roll, man. That is how they roll. Uh, so it's pretty interesting uh, just how. uh Obnoxious they are. There we go. Obnoxious. They're obnoxious. They don't care uh, at all that the people can see right through it. I also, uh, before we get into President Trump's uh, interview with uh, Laura Ingram, I wanted to say, Aside from the fact that we have, uh, you know, all these people going down for making a mockery of our systems and our court systems, we should also focus on the fact that Congress and the Senate are doing actually nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing for us. They aren't asking people questions. They aren't but subpoenaing anyone, they're doing nothing but playing to their drum so that way they can buy themselves time until the election. That's something that should speak volumes to all of you, that we have a Congress and a Senate that are stagnant. They're not doing anything, and they're just waiting for other people to do stuff and then jump in a camp. This is this isn't how they're supposed to be operating. They're supposed to be working for us. They get paid to work for us and they're not doing anything yet, yet, because they're going to be forced to. They're going to be forced to in about a week. This is where the gloves come off. This is the last week before the gloves come off. And that is happening. You know, they've come after everybody and their mother. And I, I you know, Oh, uh, it's, it's just horrible. Listen to President Trump's presser yesterday uh, that he had yesterday evening, which was um, pretty telling. I'm going to skip through to the parts over here, is it? Really, you
7: hear this from... Five-minute mark. There we go. ...or they're afraid to stop it. But in any event, we're there to help. We're there to get things under control. Uh, what they did on Thursday night at... The White House, just outside of the White House, to people that came from all over the world, is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And, uh, frankly, the mayor, Democrat mayor, Mayor Bowser, should have done a better job. She did a very poor job. But at the same time, we had the police who were very brave. They helped Rand. I guess it started off with two, and they took a beating, if you can believe this. They really took some heavy hits. One went down, and but got right up. And uh, two others joined them, and they were able to get Rand and Kelly through. But it was a terrible, terrible thing to witness. But other people went through similar, not to the extent in terms of taping. We don't have the tapes as strong, but some people went through, from what I heard, as bad or worse. The violent rioters share Biden's same talking points, and they share his same agenda for our nation. And even his strange uh, speech today that he made in Pittsburgh... He didn't mention the fact, and he didn't mention the far left. He didn't mention the far left, or for what I saw, I don't believe he mentioned the word Antifa. Antifa is a criminal organization, and he didn't mention Antifa thugs, but mostly seemed to blame the police and law enforcement. He went on point after point after point. He even talked about... uh, Those on the right, but he didn't talk about those on the left. And those on the left are the problem. And Antifa is the problem. The rioters and Joe Biden have a side. They're both on the side of the radical left. And that is so obvious. And until that neutralizes, you're never going to have safe areas in those Democrat-run Areas for months Joe Biden has given moral aid and comfort to the vandals, repeating the monstrous lie that these were peaceful protests. They're not peaceful protests. That's anarchy. That's uh you look at the agitators, you look at the looters, you look at the rioters. That's not a peaceful protest. Uh they keep using the term. It's so nice. Peaceful protest. And behind the reporter, the cities are burning. Uh, we could solve it very quickly if they ask us to come in like we did in Minneapolis and like we just did in Wisconsin, where I'll be going tomorrow. And at least the governor asked me if I could, we would, uh, I said, you got to get the National Guard. And he finally agreed to even a small number, but they were able to take care of things. And that was about five days ago, six days ago. And uh, ever since it's been very good. 13 members of Biden's campaign staff donated to bail and rioters, they getting him out of jail. Looters, they got him out of jail. And his running mate, Kamala, urged their supporters to do the same thing. It's outrageous that they're now seeking to shift the blame for the mayhem, and they really want to put it on the on the backs of the police. I see it, the police. Uh, There's just a a war on law enforcement in this country. And without law enforcement, we wouldn't have a country. We have very talented people. They're not allowed to do their job. If you give the radical law enforcement.
1: So he's going to say a lot of that uh, on Laura Ingram's show. I think we should go to the questions uh, because... Those were quite interesting, but he makes a very solid point that these people that now suddenly came out on stage because they see that it's affecting them negatively. Right. By supporting these riots and these. I mean, they're standing in front of burning buildings and they're like, these are peaceful protesters. Right. People are getting killed, but they're peaceful protesters. Uh, You know, they funded to release these criminals. They funded to release these criminals from jail, people that are terrorizing citizens, terrorizing some, the, the word terror comes from installing fear. So terror comes in all shapes and sizes and ways. Uh, you know, if you are scared to just walk out on the street in the United States of America, where freedom of speech is, you know, embraced, where you have the right to, if you want to walk out and look like a ballerina. Yes, people may mock you, but you shouldn't fear for your life. If you want to walk out and dress yourself head to toe in MAGA gear or Biden gear, people may make fun of you, but you shouldn't feel that someone will kill you for it. If you're on the Internet expressing your views, you know, uh, that you love abortions or that you hate abortions. People will mock you, but you shouldn't have fear. You shouldn't have fear that someone will come after you and kill you. And not only kill you, you shouldn't have fear that people will stalk you, that people will call your job. It will destroy your life. That's not what America is. That's the things that happen in countries like Venezuela and China. So for them to terrorize the nation... In all shapes and, you know, in all forms of terror, from the cancel culture to killing you or burning your house down or your business down or attacking you, your family, your loved ones, your children. That's actually called terrorism. So, this is how it goes that terrorism is how you peddle fear. And the media has been terrorizing. The people of the United States with beefed up numbers, you know, now they all changed and they're still pushing these insane numbers. They are fueling your fear so that you can submit. They know that it's extreme to beat you up. It's extreme to light fires. It's extreme to harass you and your family. This is why we have criminal harassment laws. This is why there's laws for that. Because there are people that are insane. I, I for one, have a fan. I, do I want to call them a fan? That's obsessed with me. But they're actually a paid fan for what? It's 2020, right? So that would be a three-year three solid. Filing, filing, fi- like stalker level, like crazy, like foaming at the mouth. And so... When does that translate into real life? What do you think? Is it going to translate into real life when they kill you? Or is it when they slash your tires? Or is it when they reach out to your family? Or is it when they reach out to your work? Which one is it? Because Antifa does that. See, they're very well organized. Antifa will fixate and expand, and they have money from the opposition party. And this opposition is foe, of course, right? It's, it's obviously a foe opposition party. The new narrative the media is now trying to push is that Atlas, who now sits on the COVID team, is not qualified to speak and that Fauci is the god of all. Fauci, who committed crimes, Fauci that helped fund or prop up the fake research in the Lancet Journal. This is the new narrative that President Trump brought someone on board that is not qualified for this because it's not giving fear porn anymore. People are now realizing it's all bullshit and they're very upset. And when the people get very upset, they unite, and that's the way it is. So, It's very, very, it's a fine line, man, and it's all coming down to the crunch. And like he said, the media is the one fueling most of this. They are responsible for this. They are responsible for the pain and anguish caused to American citizens on all fronts. They're not reporting anything. I mean, we just had the death of a, a former um, Indian president in India. Uh, the President Trump tweeted about it, but there's a significance in that too. Uh, there are many things that are going on and the media is not alerting us. They're not alerting us Of the tensions in the Eastern Mediterranean. They're not alerting alerting any of us in these huge changes that are happening in South Africa right now, or in Chile, or in Argentina. There is so much unrest globally. You can't even, you can't pick one spot and say, oh, this is it. It's everywhere. And it's not being spoken of. Instead, they're just telling you about Uh, you know, inflated flu numbers uh, pushing uh, all these things that are not supposed to be pushed. The media is supposed to be there to report the truth, the truth on matters that affect us. How is this going to affect our business? How is this going to affect our children? How is this going to affect our economy? How is this going to affect our health? And all we're hearing is pandering to fear. And, and, and that's key. So let's go
7: to the questions here. Most, most uh, every law enforcement group in the country that I can think of, the sheriffs in Florida, all of them, uh, law enforcement in Ohio and Texas, uh, North Carolina, I mean, no, almost no matter where you look, I think I've gotten all of it. We'll have to do a little study so I'm totally accurate, but I would say all of it. And the ones who didn't, I think we have to look at them. Where do they come from? So we, uh, we've we done a real job. We're ready, willing, and able to help these Democrat-run cities that are doing poorly. They have to call and ask. All they have to do is call. They don't even have to put it in writing. We'll put it in writing later. We'll get them in there, and we'll straighten out the city very quickly, whichever city we may be talking about. So uh,
1: I wanted to ask you something. Since the Smith-Mund Act allows the mainstream media to uh, spread propaganda the question you should ask yourself is who is funding or who is driving the propaganda narrative because propaganda is usually peddled by the administration, right? By the person in power, by the person that is elected. So when you see that the elected person is counter to the propaganda that they have the legal right and are protected under the law to do, who's the government that they're serving who is the master of the mainstream media that is the question you should ask yourself who are these people in the shadow who is the shadow government who is the fourth unelected branch of government that is feeding them this narrative that is the question you have to ask and exactly it's the military industrial complex who do you think drops the notes to them it is those it is all, it's all those organizations that you saw in the movie Shadowgate. They're the ones peddling the propaganda. Because propaganda means that leadership is pushing a narrative to mind hack their people into submission and to think things the way they want you to. So think about it. If the president is saying apples, but all of the bullhorns, right, all of the media is saying oranges, who's giving them oranges if the person that supposedly has the right to issue propaganda is pushing Apple? It makes no sense, right? So here's where you see that they have a government that is not the elected one they are the ones that know best they're the ones that are telling you what to do that's key okay that is key uh
7: those governors that are responsible for a state that has a city that's got a lot of problems call me or the mayor can call me and uh, we'll be there very quickly tomorrow we're making that trip uh, to wisconsin i think a lot of you are going to be going and it should be very interesting should be very interesting, but we're proud of it because in six days uh, it's been like a different world. And it was something we did a good job when the governor didn't want us there. He didn't want uh, the National Guard, as you know. He was very reluctant, but I give him credit because ultimately he said yes. And as soon as he said yes, the problem ended. But I have to see the people that did such a good job for me. And we're meeting with numerous people and we have tremendous support in the state of Wisconsin. So I promise them when it all gets taken care of, it we'll have ex-
6: concerns, though, that it could exacerbate tensions and increase violence. Do you give any uh,
7: consideration? Well, it about? could also increase enthusiasm and it could increase uh, love and respect for our country. And that's why I'm gone, because they did a fantastic job. As soon as I called and told them let's go Uh, the whole problem stopped that was what six days ago yeah jeff Uh, mr president why are you not meeting with the family of jacob blake while you're there well i spoke with the pastor wonderful man the family's pastor and uh, i thought it would be better not to do anything where there are lawyers involved Uh, they wanted me to speak but they wanted to have lawyers involved and i thought that was inappropriate so i didn't do that but i did speak with the pastor of the family who's a fine man, a wonderful man. And uh, I think we had a great talk. And uh, I may at some point, you know, do that, but they, they did have a lawyer that wanted to be on the phone. And I said, no, that's inappropriate, but I just gave my best regards. Uh, but again, I spoke with the pastor. Yeah, please. I have
2: a question on coronavirus, but first you were just criticizing Joe Biden, saying he didn't mention the far left or Antifa. During his speech today, you said you wanted to talk about left-wing political violence. Yeah. But I noticed you did not mention that your supporters were also in Portland this weekend firing paintball guns at people, some form of pepper strike. So do you want to also take this chance to condemn what your supporters
7: did? Well, I understand the they had large numbers of people that were supporters, but that was a peaceful protest. And paint is not, and paint is a defensive mechanism. Paint is not bullets. Uh, your supporters, bullets. your supporters and they are your supporters indeed, uh, shot a young gentleman who uh, and killed him, not with paint, but with a bullet. And I think it's disgraceful. These people, they protested peacefully. They went in very peacefully. And I'll tell you what they're protesting. They're protesting when they turn on television or read whatever they may be reading and they see a city like Chicago where 78 people were shot and 13 died or a city like New York, where the crime rate has gone through the roof, or a city like Portland, where the the entire city is ablaze all the time, and a mayor says, we don't want any help from the federal government. When these people turn that on and they see that, they say, this is not our country. This is not our country. That was a peaceful protest, totally.
5: It was a supporter
1: of yours. A supporter of yours. See, he allocated and put them in that group, like I said, propaganda is supposed to be the mouthpiece of the leadership. So the question you should be asking is, who are these leaders pulling strings? Who is that fourth unelected, who runs the fourth unelected branch of government? How are they funded? How are they able to circumvent our agencies that are On US soil. And I've already said that's because they can circumvent them because the data is offshore. They've created so many. I mean, right now, and I talked about this months ago, Google is underwater, okay? Underwater (laughs) in the Pacific Ocean, bridging off of our direct cable network to the Asian continent. How is this even happening, and why is this allowed? That's a question all of you should be asking.
3: Go ahead, president. please. Was yeah, go ahead, of of been- It was a
2: supporter of yours, Mr. President. It was a supporter of yours, Mr. President, who been- killed someone who was accused of killing She's two people. It was a supporter made- of yours. saying, Are you no. going to condemn the actions of vigilantes like Kyle Rittenhouse?
7: And- well, we're, we're looking at all of it. Uh, that was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw and uh he was trying to get away from them i guess it looks like and he fell and then they very violently attacked him and it was something that we're looking at right now and it's under investigation but uh i guess he was in very big trouble he would have been i he probably would have been killed but it's under it's under investigation do
2: you think private citizens should be taking i'd like to see law
7: enforcement take care of everything I think everything should be taken care of, law enforcement, but again, we have to give our cops back, our police back their dignity, the respect. They're very talented people, they're strong, they're tough, they can do the job, but we've taken it away. We don't want to have, when somebody makes a mistake, he chokes, or in some cases you have bad cops, we have to take care of that. In other cases, they choke, they're under, they have a quarter of a second, a quarter of a second to make a decision, and sometimes they make the wrong decision. If they make the wrong decision, you know, if they make the wrong decision in the other direction, they're probably dead. So they choke sometimes. And that goes on the evening news for weeks. And the thousands and tens of thousands of great things they do, nobody covers that. Nobody writes about that. But if they make a mistake, and again, the bad cops, everybody agrees they have to be very tough on bad cops. But sometimes you have... A cop or a police person who is a good, a good police person, right? Good. But they choke. You know, the timing and they go through this and they study this and they work on it all the time. They literally have a quarter of a second to make some of these decisions and they make a wrong decision. And it's very devastating. But I will say this. Uh, I honor law enforcement. We wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for law enforcement. We have to stop this horrible left-wing ideology that seems to be permeating our country and basically it's weakness it's weakness on behalf of democrat politicians or republicans we don't have problems you take a look at our cities our cities are doing very well They're safe they're secure i spent a lot of time in texas uh, as you know just a couple of days ago and i was with the governor of texas greg abbott he was explaining they wouldn't put up with it for a minute they just don't have the kind of problems that other people have thank you very much I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, he cut that off real quick so, did you see how they were insanely going after him for it? So now let's, uh, let's break down, uh, President Trump's interview. Here's part one with Laura Ingram. Uh, it was actually very telling. And Hillary Clinton was upset today. She actually retweeted, this is nuts. And you know what she retweeted? The part where he said, there's people working in the shadow. And so, um, an, Uh, Someone uh, tweeted out, MSNBC reporter resigns, Blast Network as propaganda arm of the deep state. Um, This is is something we've been talking about. Who is the deep state? So many names, deep state, fourth unelected branch of government. You have to think to yourself, uh, what is this? And So this um, article goes on to say, according to a military reporter for MSNBC, the network has become the propaganda arm of the CIA and FBI and routinely spreads disinformation to the public. It's so bad that this journalist calls it quits, blasting the network in the process. Arkin recently blasted NBC News along with MSNBC in an email for becoming captive and subservient to the national security state, reflexively pro-war in the name of stopping President Donald Trump, and now the prime propaganda instrument of the war machine's promotion of militarism and imperialism. Imperialism. So thanks to the collapse of the Russia collusion hoax, and it was a hoax, it was a fabrication to actually cover up their crimes, right? We've said this many times before. Anyone telling you to focus on the Russia hoax and not focus on the actual crimes that have happened uh is not your friend. William Arkin said the spooks in mainstream media are in a stronger position than ever before. The national security establishment not only has hasn't issued a beat, a beat, but indeed has gained dangerous strength. We've said this. It is ever more autonomous and practically impervious to criticism. And he said. Um, This is from, oh, this is a quote from the the mayor of New York City, 1918 to 1925. The real menace of our republic is the invisible government, which like a giant octopus sprawls its slimy legs over our cities, states, and unions. The little coterie of powerful international bankers virtually run the United States government for their own selfish purposes. They practically control both parties and control the majority of newspapers and magazines in this country. They use the columns of these paper to club into submission or drive out of office public officials who refuse to do the bidding of the powerful corrupt cliques which compose the invisible government. It operates under cover of a self-created screen, seizes our executive officers, legislative bodies, schools, courts, newspapers, and every agency created for public protection. Now this is everything that we have been talking about for years. There is a fourth unelected branch of government. We showed you who are the people pushing and promoting this. They love terrorists because terrorists install fear. And if they can scare you enough, you'd be willing to submit and forfeit your rights in the name of safety. A declassified document from CIA archives in the form of a letter from a CIA task force addressed to the Director of Central Intelligence Agency details the close relationship that exists between the CIA, mainstream media, and academia. You can can actually see it. The concern that all of you should have is that every single person that has access to any information, highway that be social media the mainstream media it is imp- <laughs> it is so incredible you guys that they would um they are so they're shameless they will say anything to shy away from what is really happening and so I'm I'm glad and I'm happy that the president of the United States made sure that He told the people exactly what is happening, how it's happening on Ingram's show. He said that they operate in the shadows and they do. The airplane is just one of many means and modes that they use to think. An airplane where you go through security checkpoints, where they document your travel, right? You have to be very shameless or feel very protected to travel like that. Buses are too uh, evident. Remember, those were actually exposed by Millie Weaver where she found them, uh, where coaches were found. Uh, we talked about that years ago during the 2018, well, not uh, not on air here, I guess. I guess I was just on Twitter tweeting, but this is this is important that you understand that the terrorists that we have outside our borders are funding and promoting the terrorists, the domestic terrorist network that we have within our borders. When I've been tweeting, oh, uh, you know, the mainstream media are domestic terrorists, it is true. The pundits are domestic terrorists because it is true. They're all funded and fueled by the same. Look at the universities. They're molding and shaping these terrorists. Remember with all these riots that were happening, who were handing out the bricks? Professors, teachers. They creep up into your kids' DMs online and they have groups talking about social justice. I've shown you the videos. We've talked about this. This is not hidden. This is not some crazy revelation. But... Shadowgate gave you the names of those that fund it and promote it. They have their fingers in every single facet of our government, our media, and our consumer industry. This is how they put you in a box. And for some reason, people are still sleepwalking, not understanding where the real war is. One of your supporters is
10: murdered. Uh, in Portland, uh, by it looks like a, a suspected Antifa uh, individual. And then on Sunday, Wheeler comes out and Biden and essentially tries to blame shift to you for the violence there. Uh, your reaction?
7: Well, these are terrible and very incompetent people. Portland's been burning for many years, for decades it's been burning, but now it's gotten to a point they don't want to do. I watched the mayor try and get in with these people. And he went to a protest and he went in there. They almost killed him. If he didn't have security whether him, he had five security guards, he would have been dead, just like they would have done to Rand Paul, who's a great guy, and his wife, Kelly. Uh, it is a disgrace when you look at what's happening. Now, we sent in Homeland Security. The reason we sent them in was to protect our courthouse. We have a $300 million courthouse, and they wanted to blow up our courthouse or burn it down. Uh, Take your choice, blow it up or burn it down, they said. And I said, no, no, that's not happening. So they wouldn't protect it because the mayor said he doesn't care. So we sent in our homeland people. They did a great job immediately, Homeland Security. Immediately, it was protected. And that's the only reason they were there. I've offered to send in the National Guard. I've offered to send in anybody they want. I could put that out in 45 minutes and it would stop. And I think the people of Portland and the people of Oregon, I know it's a liberal state considered liberal. They're tired of it. They're tired of having uh, of living with this curse. They're living with a curse. They say that when you walk through the streets of Portland, this is years and years of burning. And it's, well, it's so not unf- 90
10: days. It's been really. No, no. Chaos. It's been horrible in the last the 90 days.
7: But no, it's been going on for many. It's been going on for many, many years. It's like you're in. I, I won't name the city, but it's a city someplace in the world that's not so good. Okay, it's a terrible situation. The Oregon
10: governor said, "No one is safe in Donald Trump's America." Yeah. They're trying to turn the yeah, tables yeah, no, on you trying. after months of. They're not really saying much about the violence.
7: Right, but they won't ever criticize anybody that really, you know, that that's a violent person. Frankly, that's violent. They stick up for the violence. They don't. The people that are getting hurt, they don't care about. They don't care about these people. It's a weird thing. It's like warped minds. And for the last 93 days, I've been offering to send. And as you know, they have to take the offer. They have to make they have to ask to have help. I've been standing and I've been saying anytime you're ready, we'll put it out. What's motivating them,
10: Mr. President.
7: I think it's a sickness, actually. I think there also there's a fear. I watched uh, the way they treated this Mayor Wheeler when he was standing there. And I'll tell you how unfair the news is. NBC News didn't.
1: Hold on. I just wanted to say, you do know President Trump is going to Kenosha. Do you know where he is right now? He's with William Barr
7: in Illinois. I just wanted to point that out. Just saying. Show that he was being shouted at and cursed at, and he ran. Uh, literally, he had a run for his life because they were going to really hurt him. He had dirty. If he didn't, he would have probably. Well, they showed up as
10: an apartment building over there. No, weekend. no. How he
7: can still stick up for him, I think there's a fear. I think he's afraid.
10: Are they afraid that Oregon could be in play because of people's concern about law and order? It, it could, Is that what you're saying? It
7: could. I don't know. I'm, I'm no. I think that like the mayor Wheeler, I think he's probably afraid for his life because if you would have seen him, but I'll show you how this on. NBC News, put on, and they didn't have the people shouting. They had him standing there, and they talked about how. It was a show of great unity, the mayor standing with the people. Those people were going to kill him. They were saying things that I can't repeat right now, but horrible things. But they didn't put that on. I actually happened to see the real.
1: That's true. Remember, they were trying to kill the mayor, yet they were say- <laughs> they were saying that he was unifying them and standing with them. And, and, and it's kind of like, look, peaceful protests and there's fires. How many times have we used that, you know, little meme with nothing to see here, right? When there's chaos, this is exactly how they're operating. It's, it's pure insanity. And you have to be insane to even think that's, that's okay. But that's what we need. They, they are doing this because they know that there are people out there that can't seem to wake up. They're that mesmerized, that
7: well-programmed. ...tape on Fox. He escaped with his life, and yet he doesn't want any help. It's so unfair to the people of Oregon. We could solve that problem quickly, like I did in Kenosha. You know, Kenosha went through three or four days of... You wouldn't have a Kenosha right now. We demanded that they send in the National Guard, call the governor. In all fairness, the governor did it. Not enough, but it was enough to put it out. And we ultimately put in more. We had a thousand people and we put it out quickly. You wouldn't have Kenosha right now.
10: um, In Pittsburgh today, uh, Joe Biden uh, gave a speech and he spoke directly about this violence.
6: He may believe, mouthing the words, law and order makes him strong. But his failure to call on his own supporters to stop acting as an
10: armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. Your response to the vice president, sir?
7: Look, he's a weak person. He's been weak all his life, but now he's really weak. Uh, he shouldn't be running for president. He should not be there. But
10: do you want your supporters to confront the no, left-wing protesters? No. Or do you want to leave it to law No, I law don't want them. I want
7: to leave it to law enforcement. But... My supporters are wonderful, hardworking, tremendous people. And they turn on their television set and they look at a Portland or they look at a Kenosha before I got involved and stopped it. Or they look at Chicago where 78 people were shot last weekend and numerous people died. Uh, Or they look at New York where violence is up by like, what, 150 percent. It's up by a number that nobody and people.
1: I just wanted to say um, quickly, just this is breaking actually. So the president is landed by Great Lakes, Illinois. That's where the naval boot camp place is, or something like that. And um, he's there now. AG Barr is there, uh, Senator Ron Johnson is there, and you know they're heading off to Kenosha afterwards. Uh, on another note, I just wanted to say that William Barr, well, the Justice Department actually uh, put uh, together saying that from now on, any uh, candidate that's running for office um, will have to be advised before anyone applies for a FISA warrant for them or their staffers. This is great because if we have FISA warrants already in place. They've been done uh, for this upcoming. So the rule goes as of now, not as of yesterday. Uh, key point there. So I just wanted to point that out. People leaving.
7: They're looking at all of this and they can't believe it. They can't believe it, whether it's my supporter them, or not. But you don't want them showing no, up. No, I don't. To- well, it's a peaceful protest. I mean, they were right. protesting. They weren't. You know, it's amazing. They want to protest and they get criticized. The other people run through the streets, burn down storefronts, hurt people, beat people and kill people, kick people in the face. That would have happened to Rand Paul, by the way, and his wife, except that you had two and then ultimately four very good policemen who took a big beating. They took a big beating and they really saved Rand Paul. In fact, we're gonna bring him into the White House and give him some kind of an accommodation because they they really, what they did was, very brave, actually. I mean, can you imagine? I'm saying policemen were brave because they are escorting. But they are escorting a U.S. senator and his wife. And as Rand said, he would have been killed if they weren't there. It's Isn't it true also, thing.
10: Mr. President, that the Democrats have been in their own way inciting this violence oh, sure, against seen. individuals for as almost as long as you've been in office? Sure.
9: If you see
8: anybody from that cabinet, you get out and you create a crowd! and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere please get up in the face of some congress people
9: there needs to be unrest in the streets the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our constitution are right at 1600 pennsylvania avenue with their allies in the congress of the united states
7: it's not only the democrats it's the media the fake news the news is so fake like I told you with the mayor where they make him look like it's a great unity thing when actually they were cursing at him and they would have done big numbers on him, but they don't show that. They just show the mayor standing with these very tough thugs and, uh, he was gone. Okay. They saved him. But NBC shows it like it's unity with the people. I don't get it. I don't know why they're doing it. And I say, I will say this at some point, I will not be president. Uh, hopefully that'll be in five years from now but i will not be president and they're gonna die they're all gonna die can you imagine if they had a cover sleepy joe biden it won't be very much fun but much more importantly our country would go to hell our stock markets will crash as sure as you're sitting there we will have problems like you've never had But if you take Kenosha Mm -hmm. and if you take other parts of the country that I don't even talk about, I could show you things that we've done to stop this kind of a thing that's happening in Portland and happening in Chicago and happening in other places.
10: Most red states are cooperating with federal law enforcement and things are relatively calm in in red state America. But Biden said again today in Pittsburgh uh, that essentially you're not going to be safe in Donald Trump's America.
7: So. uh, If it weren't Donald Trump's America to just use the expression as I'm president, uh, you would have riots like you've never seen. The the Democrats have lost control of the radical left. And if you look at Bernie and the I call it the manifesto that was agreed to with Biden and his group, that's further left than Bernie ever was. They won't be able to control these people. These people have lost. They have lost control of these people and it's hurting them. Don't forget. Biden wasn't going to come out of his basement until the election. Now he had to because the polls are so good for me. Now he had to because the polls are different. So all of a sudden he's in Pittsburgh. He wasn't going to leave his basement. Then he said, "Okay, he's leaving, but he won't leave for 10 days. 10 days is a long time. So in the meantime, like on Sunday and Saturday, I'm in Texas. I'm in Louisiana. I was going to stop in two other places. Fortunately, they didn't get hit. Arkansas wasn't hit very much, et cetera, et cetera. I would have stopped. But I'm all over the place. I leave early in the morning. I get home late at night. And that's what you have to do as president. And, and John doesn't have energy.
10: Tomorrow, you're going to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yeah. Of course, the, the scene of so much unrest uh, lately. Uh, and the governor says he doesn't want you to come. Why is it important for you to be seen by the people of Wisconsin now?
7: Because I am a tremendous fan of law enforcement, and I want to thank the law enforcement. They've done a good job. And when the governor says that I shouldn't come or he'd prefer that I not come, I'm the one that called him and said, Tony, you got to bring out the National Guard. Well, I don't really want to do it. Tony, you got to bring it out. And unlike your governor of Oregon that just keeps saying no, he agreed to it at least. Now he agreed to a small number, but the small number was plenty.
10: But isn't it a political motivation? They don't want you to come to blue state America because they don't want the media to have to cover what's really happening oh, that's on the ground. True. Isn't this political?
7: Oh, if you look at what's going on in blue, as you call it, blue state America, blue city, America, you look at what's going on in New York. You look at what's going on in these states. Chicago is a disaster. Portland, you look at Portland. Now Portland's a little diff- different, that's anarchists. And that's, I actually think in many ways that's easier to handle. I think Portland is very easy to handle because that's a group of anarchists that are paid by the outside. And you know, we put a lot of people in jail. I don't know if you know this or not. Remember, uh, Three four months ago, we were having a problem with monuments. They were ripping down statues and monuments. All Democrats monetized. didn't
10: say anything about that. No, the they?
7: Democrats had no control. It actually got out of control, even for them. I signed in an executive order: ten years in jail if you knock down a statue or a monument. You haven't heard one thing about it. You haven't. We wouldn't have. They were going after Thomas Jefferson. They were going after Lincoln, and they were going after the Washington Monument if they could knock that one down. They were going after it, and I actually don't even think they know. I think they're just thugs. I don't think it's it's. It may be an ideology, and it may not. It is an ideology for the people that are paying them. And the funny thing is, and the strange thing is, the people that are paying them and all this money because somebody's doing what it. What about they, the They travel. Well, wait. The people paying them, those people will be overthrown. Their lives will be taken away. Their lives will be endangered. They're all going to be gone. They're just stupid, foolish people that made a lot of money.
10: But corporations have given an enormous amount of money and the tens of millions or maybe hundreds of millions to Black Lives be- because Matter, they're weak. which is all over a lot of these sure. protests. That's so be- what does that mean about these corporations? Why are they paying that money out? Mr. Because President? they're weak
7: people led by weak people, in many cases, not all corporations. What does that mean, they're weak people? I looked at numbers where one company is giving hundreds of millions of dollars. When you say they're weak, what do you mean? Because they just do what's the easiest path. That's not the easy path. That's a very dangerous path. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. You remember pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. That was the first time I ever heard of Black Lives Matter. I said, that's a terrible name. It's so discriminatory. It's bad for black people. It's bad for everybody. And all of a sudden it becomes like sort of, although now if you look, it's going way down because people are tired of this stuff. What's going on? The black lives matter. If you look.
1: Exactly. See people that pander to their race and they use that race card. um, You know, you see it all the time. Oh, you're just saying that because I'm black. Or you're just saying that because, you know, I'm Kamala Harris, you know, where I'm both or whatever. You're just saying nobody cares what color you are. Nobody gives a crap. It's 2020. No one even looks at color anymore. And the fact that they're brainwashing the vulnerable youth, uh, you know, how many of you have seen people apologizing for being white? Like what the, where they had, I don't know if you guys remember at the university where someone was in chains on their knees begging for forgiveness because they were white. Like that is pure insanity. And, um, you know, they they enrage they in, in, in them. And the thing is, slavery or discrimination on your color, your height, your weight, your hair color, you know, we can stereotype anyone we want, which is fine. But the whole point is here is that they are only trying to weaken the unity of the people by creating division. Under the Obama administration, all we saw was an increased demand for segregation. 2016, 2015, they wanted all black graduations. You know, what is that? Why are you segregating people? Now they're creating whoever you have sex with or whatever you want to identify as, is a protected class. Well, I'm gay. And it's like, nobody cares. Well, I'm identify as asexual okay why are you telling me i can be proud and wear my sexuality why are you bringing it to work you sound insane this is the thing they create see the democrats were very successful in the 70s Because there was a transition in the 60s and 70s from Christianity and all religions uh, into more of a spiritual movement. So people fell into these cultish type behaviors. We had the rise of Scientology, fanaticism. And so people fall into these groups. I mean, you see it even as a kid, your social groups, who are the jocks, who are, uh, you know, the goths, who are the stoners, who are the nerds. It's like everybody always creates a class for themselves, which is something normal. And it is a protective behavior, um, you know, based on uh, anthropological studies, right? And you like to roll with the people that, uh, you know, you get along with and you share common interests. But when do, do those interests evolve into color and just insane things? This is how superficial our nation is. Black lives matter. Do they really care about black lives? Cause David Dorn was black. And they killed them over television sets, segregation, separating of people, because the only way that you can dominate a massive population is by creating fractions within their unity. And so they pick on the superficial ones for those that that they have been able to program correctly to say that everything wrong in the world is because of you because you were born white, you have certain privileges. If you were born black, if you were born black, you're uh, suddenly (laughs) disadvantaged and it's like, what? No, that's not true. That is very not true. You know, you're just like, this is not correct. If you're Asian, you automatically have this status. Who makes that up? It's these people in academia that write these papers. Do you remember, uh, we had talked about it on the show, I don't know if it was 2018 or 2019, where these academics trolled academia and they like wrote these fake research papers and submitted them to journals about, uh, you know, uh, what is it? about feminism and white power, like all these crazy things. And they were laughing and they videotaped it. That is what this reminds me of. They hijack you <laughs> with fake stuff. I'll see if I can find it while we listen to the rest of this part one.
7: Look at what's going on with the bats and the, the a lot of thugs. Running through D.C. You... last night. Oh, it's terrible what's going on. But Black Lives Matter came into existence walking down the street, screaming. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. And that was about police officers that was representing police. Mm-hmm. They were pigs, pigs in a blanket, like the sausages or hot dogs. Fry them like well, bacon. Well, they were saying worse
10: over the last couple of days in Oh, I think even worse. Yeah, yeah probably. No, it's, it's if gotten- you
7: get, I don't know. Do you get worse? But,
10: but, but yes. DOJ's role in, in trying to... It really hit the law enforcement uh, accelerator here against these groups. A lot of the individuals coming into Wisconsin have been tracked as out-of-staters, yeah, the ones who have been arrested. We have them all. Can, can DOJ do more, and what could they do to really start putting the fear of God in these violent, not the peaceful protesters, but violent protesters?
7: So they have under investigation a lot. In fact, I'll show you. I just had this because of this very important interview with you. But I just, uh, and I'll give this to you. In Kansas City, violence has decreased by a third since the initiative began. Indianapolis, 49 guns confiscated. More than 1,000 arrests have been made under the initiative. Uh, DOJ is addressing violence and crime across the country. FBI, but you don't read that. The FBI and ATF are assisting the Portland Police Department. But you can't do much when you have absolutely no cooperation. But if they
10: don't think they're going to go to jail for 10 years for yeah. doing what they're doing, then they're going to keep doing well, it. So how does a well, Trump reelection calm things down in the United States? Biden says he's going to calm things down. How will a Trump re-election calm, calm down. Why? Why won't he calm things
7: down? Biden won't calm things down. They will take over. They will have won. If Biden gets in, they will have won. He's a weak person. He's controlled like a puppet. So it's not going to be calm things down. It's going to be they will have won. They will have taken over your cities. It's a revolution. You understand that. It's a revolution. And the people of this country will not stand for that. They're not going to stand for that. The vast majority of people feel like me. They feel like every time I put law and order up on social media, it gets such an incredibly positive response. The people of this country will not stand for it. If you say calm things down, yeah, calm things down because they will have taken over Take a look at what's going on. And Biden, well, Biden is, I, I don't even like to mention Biden because he's not controlling anything. Who, who do you they think is pulling them?
10: Biden's strings? Uh, is it former Obama People officials? that you've never
7: heard of, people that are in the dark shadows, people that- oh, What are, does that
10: mean? That sounds like conspiracy theory, dark shadows. No, what people that? people that
7: you haven't heard of. They're, they're people that are on the streets. They're people that are controlling the streets. We had somebody get on a plane from a certain city this weekend and in the plane, it was almost completely loaded with with thugs wearing these dark uniforms, black uniforms with gear and this and that. They're they're on a plane where, is the, where this, this? I'll tell you sometime. But I, I, it's under investigation right now. But they came from a certain city. And this person was coming to the Republican National Convention. And there were like seven people on the plane like this person. And then a lot of people were on the mm-hmm. plane to do big damage. They were coming planning for, the for Washington. Yeah, this was all this is all happening. But and the money is
10: coming from somewhere. Money is coming when, from how can it be From tracked? some
7: very stupid rich people that have no idea that if their thing ever succeeded, which it won't, they will be thrown to the wolves like you've never seen before.
1: So he's right. And, you know, Hillary Clinton didn't like the fact that he said, hey, these are the people in the shadows. And, you, you know, this is this is. This is fact. This is what we are observing, that these are people that are in the shadows and, you know, (laughs) no one seems to understand just how... um, it works. Dark shadows. That sounds like a conspiracy theory. Yeah, it does. And that was a subtle shout out. They know. They know that what we've put out was pulling the pants down, uh, you know, of the actual people that are funding and running this. This is how it is. And two is even more insane. It's going to pick some wounds and it's going to really throw a lot of um a lot of things in yeah, stupid rich people exactly he made that clear now let's go to part two i'm actually trying to find uh that study uh for you guys so you can see just how they operate here's part two
10: women voters uh so important uh to reach out to them whether you're a republican or a democrat you have a deficit among women voters well that's
7: what they said last time too
10: right well let's let's say for the sake of argument you have a deficit among female voters who maybe in some cases you're too aggressive, your you're tw- tone or your tweets, what do you say to them directly about what you'll do in a second term?
7: Okay. I have to be aggressive because I'm like standing here in a sea of incompetent people, stupid people, and violent people. Very violent. But that's the
10: kind of language, stupid that's people. Okay. That's like, A lot of women don't like it. It's also
7: that. the well, where are we? Oh, we're in the White House, I see. see? Okay, so... I'm standing here in a sea of people and we need law and order in this country. And women see that with me. You're never going to have law and order with Biden. Hey, look at Ferguson. Look what happened during that. You know, people forget. Look at all of those horrible race riots you had during Obama. Ferguson is just one that comes to mind, but you had them all the time. Look at all of what happened with Brown and this one and that one. Look at all of the problems you had under Obama, it was a disaster. It was actually worse than anything. This is a much different situation. Uh, Again, the anarchists of Portland are different than what's going on in Chicago. Chicago can be solved. I think it's actually a little bit more difficult to solve. I think the anarchists in many ways are much more solvable. But for women, more than anything else, they want security. They want safety. They have to have safety. They talk about the suburban woman. What I did recently, I ended the regulation that provided low-income housing that d- that mandated low-income That income was Obama's housing. rule. That was the Obama rule. It was a disaster. Do you
10: think the suburbs are in danger if Biden is elected? Oh, yeah, we already know the cities are in okay. danger, but so, are the suburbs in danger? Because they say that's fear-mongering on the part of
7: the I know the suburbs. Housing. Look, Westchester was ground zero Okay, for what they were trying to do. They were-
1: I just wanted to say, if you see what he said, He said Ferguson and then Brown. Remember in the movie Shadowgate, we highlighted how Ferguson became so well organized with the Obama phone, linking people up in order to expand the use and ensure the implementation of ShadowNet. This is why he gave people phones, to track them, to listen to them, to trigger them. He made that clear.
7: They were trying to destroy the suburban beautiful place the american dream really they want low-income housing and with that comes a lot of other problems including crime may not be nice to say poor people are criminals though no i'm not saying that at all but it does there is a level of violence that you don't see so you have this beautiful community in the suburbs including women right women they want security I ended where they build low income housing project right in the middle of your neighborhood. I ended it. If Biden gets in, he already said it's going to go at a much higher rate than ever before. And you know who's going to be in charge of it? Cory Booker. that's going to be nice, okay? So I think that women are going to want well, for a lot of other reasons, the stock markets will crash. As sure as you're sitting there, your four oh one Ks will go down to a small percentage of what they are.
10: Biden says he's not gonna raise taxes on anyone making under four hundred thousand dollars. He's going
7: to do four trillion dollars in tax increases. He's going to do things that are gonna cost so much on the Green New Deal, which is which is done by a child. Okay, that's the mind of a child, because the Green New Deal is ridiculous. It doesn't work. They're going to do things under the green you know the green new deal if you actually did it is a hundred trillion dollars that's more money than this country could make in it's a thousand going to be good years. paying
10: jobs all the great paying yeah, jobs, that Obama jobs apparently didn't yeah.
7: create let's rip down a building and build a new one with no windows okay
10: on uh, the african-american community you've made more strides in outreach to african-american voters and i think of any republican president yeah. in my yeah. lifetime What can you tell the African-American community tonight about your commitment to doing more in the second term and what will that include?
7: So I've done criminal justice reform. I saved the historically black colleges and universities. What they went through is for years, including all funding. uh, Prison reform, criminal justice reform. Next term. Opportunity zone. uh, More of the same. And in fact, I actually said in the speech, uh, the best is yet to come. And I've been treated very well, at least in the polls. I hope, you know, I hope that translates because unfortunately the African-American, the black community has been so used to going and oppressing a Democrat lever. And what have they got out of it? They've got nothing. Obama didn't give them criminal justice reform. I did. Obama didn't give them opportunity zones. I did. Obama didn't do all of the things. Didn't say Obama could have saved the historically black colleges and universities he didn't do anything for them he didn't do anything for them i've done more and i said in the speech some people said you shouldn't say it it's too aggressive i said what's aggressive i've done more than any president in the united in the history of our country except for maybe ab and i say maybe maybe (laughs) abraham lincoln the reason i say maybe is i'll explain that to you later okay all right i want to talk about i've done more for the black community than any president in the United States, with the exception of Abraham Lincoln, and it's true. Criminal justice reform was such a big deal, and look what Biden did in nineteen ninety four. What he did to people, to black people.
10: Called he called the he called the, cr- the criminals predators. Well, he called them predators, super, super predators. predators, super predators
7: yeah. Actually, yeah. he called them. Uh, super so when predators.
10: you when you see the unrest on the streets, and so much of it is is driven by an antipathy toward law enforcement, yeah. and. You know, more African-Americans are stopped by the police, the statistics that are cited over and over again. What can you say to those families who, who live on those streets and who are worried? They're worried because they think their sons or even yeah. their daughters could be targeted. Because I know, because I've known you for a long time, you don't want that. You want people to all be treated equally, but they have a caricature of Republican voters and you're the leader of the party. What do you say to them about that mischaracterization? What the
7: black community wants in this country is they want police and they want law and order they don't want what's happening to their communities they're being affected in a much harsher meaner manner than anybody else that includes hispanics where i'm doing very well also look they want law and order they want the police you know they do polls and the The polls are at 82, 83%. They want the police. They've gotten along with the police, and the police have been very badly mistreated because you have one bad apple, and it becomes a story for weeks.
10: St. Louis African-American police officer shot in the head and killed last night. He's no uh, 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 African-American. That's true. Just killed yesterday. That's true. Just.
7: That's true. It's more
10: dangerous to be a police officer today, do you not think, than it has been in a long
7: time? are under siege because of things they can do 10,000 great acts, which is what they do. And one bad apple or a choker, you know, a choker, they choke Uh, shooting the guy guy in the back many times. I mean, couldn't you have done something different? Couldn't you have wrestled? You know, I mean, in the meantime, he might've been going for a weapon and you know, there's a whole big thing there, but they choke just like in a golf tournament. They miss a three foot.
10: You're not comparing it to golf because of course that's what the media. I'm saying people choke. People
7: People choke
1: all the time. Kind of like, you know, how Millie and Gavin didn't ask for paperwork when they were arrested. They were just trying to comply because, you know, these people were armed and in unmarked vehicles. People choke. You can't, you can't predict, you know from the outside where you're calm and collected and just seeing it, how that person feels at that moment. You don't know their experiences. You don't know what they're thinking about or what they know or what's in their heart. This is what the president is trying to put forward. But Laura Ingram's like, people are going to say it's golf. It's the same thing. Either you're playing golf, either you're under threat of being shot, either you're under threat of your safety, either it's cooking, you know, something that you cook all the time. You know, you, choke, you know, Oh, it doesn't taste right. And then you dump a bunch of, I'm just saying like people respond differently because it may catch them with their pants down. Maybe they're at that time of the month. If it's a woman, maybe, you know, they just had a, an alarming phone call. Maybe they just stubbed their toe. You don't know. Maybe they have indigestion. People respond to situations when adrenaline is, is flowing through you and they respond differently, uh, with a, with a, with a perfect merge of emotions, experience, knowledge. So why would someone on the outside criticize the response of someone like that? Uh, right? You have to think about it. Then you have to analyze it. Why would you? Yes, indeed. The cop didn't have to shoot the guy. Uh, You know, he could have tased him. He knew where he lived. He would have found him. You know, he would have this. He would have, would have, would have. But you don't know what went through his head. I'm not saying that shooting the guy in the back was the right thing to do. It was not. But you don't know what he was feeling at that time. And if he is, so distressed and he had all these things coming at once where he made that bad decision he should not be working in that capacity anymore if his judgment was warranted because of xyz then so be it i mean how are people sitting there judging things this is the problem with academia the way the school system has raised people and you know the anonymity that people seem to think they're afforded because they're on the internet
7: People People choke and people are bad people. You have both. You have some bad people and you have, they choke. You could be a police officer for 15 years and all of a sudden you're confronted. You've got a quarter of a second to make a decision. If you don't make the decision and you're wrong, you're dead. People choke under those circumstances and they make a bad decision. I've seen bad decisions of people that it looked bad, but probably it was a choke but you also have bad police, but you also the vast, not only the vast majority, thousands and thousands of great acts and one bad one. And you make the evening news for weeks.
10: I know you reached out to Jacob Blake's mom and she she said on camera she was sorry she missed the call. She protects she, you know, yeah. the office of the presidency and she would I think so, she would like to talk yeah. to you. Have you have you tried to talk to her again and would you talk to her
7: again? Uh, the call is being made as I understand it. Yes. Fantastic.
1: All right, so uh, we're gonna watch part three, but I'm gonna show you how we expose this academia. And I want you to understand uh, the same type of uh, things happen I I don't know if you guys have heard this or seen that. My listeners have definitely heard this on on my show before. But a group of actual professionals submitted really wild papers to esteemed journals. And they mocked them. They clearly gave them garbage. And this is how you can see the corruption grievance studies. Okay? I mean, there's actually a thing. So I want you to listen to this. and for. Those of you that are watching, watch this, so you can understand just how reality hacking works. Okay, this is interesting.
6: Is the letter came here? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just read my email. We have our first win. The dog park paper has been accepted. They don't know. We're about to tell them. Gotta read you something. Oh. Dear Dr. Helen Wilson, (laughs) I have now closely considered the revisions of your manuscript, Dog Park, and
8: will
6: will recommend its publication in Gender, Place, and Culture. You have done very good work to address the issues your viewers raised and have clarified your arguments. Thank you for your contribution to Gender, Place, and Culture, and I hope to be seeing your manuscript in print, yours truly. PhD in managing everything. (laughs) We have an exception paper in the number one feminist geography journal. Since approximately June of 2017, I, along with two other concerned academics, Peter Boghossian and Helen Pluckrose, have been writing intentionally broken academic papers and submitting them to highly respected journals in fields that study gender, race, sexuality, and similar topics. We did this to expose a political corruption that's taken hold of the university. By this point, several of these papers have been accepted in highly respected journals. And one that claims that dog humping incidents can be taken as evidence of rape culture has been officially honored as excellent scholarship. I'm not going to lie to you. We had a lot of fun with this project.
8: The reviewers are worried that we didn't respect the
6: dog's privacy. <laughs> <laughs> that is concern. We the dog. <laughs> but don't let that lead you to believe that we're not addressing a serious problem. If you have a few minutes, I'll try to explain. To be clear up front, we think studying topics like gender, race, and sexuality is worthwhile, and getting it right is extremely important. The problem is how these topics are being studied right now. A culture has developed in which only certain conclusions are allowed, like those that make whiteness and masculinity problematic. The fields we're concerned about put social grievances ahead of objective truth. So as a simple summary, we call the problem Grievance Studies. To test the depth of this problem, my collaborators and I dedicated ourselves to a one-to-two-year secret project targeting top Grievance Studies journals with an agreement to publicly release our findings, no matter what the outcome. We started officially on August 16th, 2017, and by Thanksgiving, we were in trouble. We had begun ambitiously and mostly stupidly. Our first papers were really only suited to test the hypothesis that we could penetrate their leading journals with poorly researched hoax papers. That wasn't the case, and we were wrong for thinking we might be able to. So by late November, it looked like all we'd accomplished is ruining our reputations.
7: If this doesn't achieve anything, it would actually frighten me. We needed to
6: change our approach, So we walked back from the hoaxing and began to engage with the existing scholarship in these fields more deeply. This led us to learn a lot more about the inner workings of grievance studies. The best I can tap into is that there's this kind of like religious architecture in their mind where privilege is sin. Privilege is evil. And then they've identified education.
1: Okay, so the reason that I'm showing you this is that they actually exposed the corruption, but they were terrified because if they couldn't find one ounce of corruption, that indeed means the cult like mentality. This is going back to what I've said about how you deploy these reality hacking tools and how you mine. you know, people into submission. And they actually wrote a paper about, you know, rape culture in dogs. And you heard them laughing, like, they were concerned about the dog's privacy. Like, are you kidding? Yes, there are people that actually feel this is what happens over decades, when you uh, create that type of culture. Now, The alarming thing that you should be aware of is the Lancet Journal when it came down to coronavirus, because they actually placed a false study that veered the medical community to move away from using hydroxychloroquine because it went into these respected journals in there as if it was dogma. That's the thing.
6: Education as the place where it has to be fixed. So you can come up with these really nasty arguments like, well, let's put white kids in chains in the floor at school as an educational opportunity. And if you frame it in terms of overcoming privilege, and then you you frame their their resistance that the, they won't want this to happen to them, that they would complain about this. If you frame that in terms of, oh, they only complain about that because they're privileged and they can't handle it because their privilege made them weak, then it's right in. Papers started getting in. You oh, fing got to be- sh- this happen. By March, with two papers accepted and one published, it would be fair to say that we had become accepted grievance scholars. By June, it was three, with one having been officially honored by the journal as excellent scholarship. By July, it was five. By August, seven. This shouldn't have been possible. So far, what we're learning is rather astonishing, but the data we've gathered require more analysis to fully comprehend. What appears beyond dispute is that making absurd and horrible ideas sufficiently politically fashionable can get them validated at the highest levels of academic grievance studies. We rewrote a section of Mein Kampf as intersectional feminism, and this journal has accepted it.
1: Social work. Did you hear that? They took Mein Kampf and rewrote it as feminism, and they accepted it as a presentable and valid paper. Are you understanding?
6: This is deeply concerning. Because the work of grievance scholars goes on to be taught in classes, to design educational curricula, to be taken up by activists, to influence how media is produced, and to misinform journalists and politicians about the true nature of our cultural realities. No one tolerates this sort of corruption when they find out an industry is funding biased research to make itself look a certain way. The same scrutiny should apply to research when it pushes a political agenda. And we have uncovered enough evidence to suggest that this corruption is pervasive among many disciplines including Women's and Gender Studies, Feminist Studies, Race Studies, Sexuality Studies, Fat Studies, Queer Studies, Cultural Studies, and Sociology. You may be thinking that the work done in these fields must be good, because it seems to continue the noble work of the civil rights movements. Well, after having spent a year immersed in it and becoming recognized as experts in it, we have to disagree. Grievance Studies does not continue the work of the civil rights movements. It corrupts it, and it trades upon their good names to keep pushing a kind of social snake oil onto a public that keeps getting sicker. Progress is easier without Grievance Studies. My collaborators and I are left-wing academics who can now say with confidence, these people don't speak for us. This is now a plea to all the progressives and minority groups these people claim to speak for. We suggest you spend some time critically engaging with the ideas coming out of these fields and decide for yourself whether they speak for you.
1: So, um, so they actually had them published and people were shaming them for publishing them. And the point was these were liberal, Liber- being a liberal, Right. Means that you're on board with, uh, you know, how uh, people should be on the moral code. Right. Because they liberals extremely. This has been so skewed. All of us, uh, as people that are in the middle, right, uh, appreciate uh, diversity. All of us. And we appreciate the rights of each and every other individual. And we appreciate how important it is. This is why we have tons of ice cream flavors and not just vanilla. So they have taken the core of what being a liberal is because now liberals should be redefined as centrists where you see both sides of things and stay in the middle because that is how you allow others to grow to whatever they want they want to be far right far left so be it do your thing I'm in the middle I believe that every man woman and child have equal rights I believe that they do not they should not be afforded any privileges based on color sex gender why should they what makes them more special yet they have created this discussion where uh, you know they've demonized certain uh, racial groups, certain uh, identity groups, anything they identify in order to create segregation. This was the idea. So I have been talking about this for a while and this is how a great, long rollout of an operation against a massive population happens. You segregate them slowly. You chip, chip, chip. And then at some point you wake up and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't want that to happen. And it's like, But you did. You let us do it. You gave us the tools to do it. You forfeited this right, that right, this right, that right. And in the end, you're left with zero rights and don't understand how it happened. Because that is the beauty of an excellent psyop. And they've been doing it for decades. And the first person that warned of that, I would say this has been happening since before the ink was dry. In 1776, the plan was implemented and the controls were being set out. First, we get the media, then we get the really rich people, then we do this, then we network, then we do this. And now look at us. We have the whole mainstream media complex sounding off triggers that will resonate with the different generations and the different degrees of this promotion of ideologies and cultism. It's the most horrific form of identity politics, of uh, socioeconomic segregation that they've been pushing only so they can bit by bit, grab from every demographic what they want in order to bring everyone to their knees at once. So they're targeting this group. Once they're, you know, neutralized, they go to that group. But you have to understand, they've been targeting all types of demographics and group simultaneously with different, uh, you know, avenues and different strategies chipping and chipping and chipping away. So uh, it's, it's, it's pretty important that uh, people yes. understand just how they operate. And this is the we're at the present right now. We are there. And I wanted to just say something. Many times I have said that people must look at history in order to understand what is happening today and what is to come tomorrow. Because tomorrow is built on what's happening today, and today was built on what happened yesterday. So if you follow history and you follow all these events that just so coincidentally happen. You will understand why we are where we are today. For example, uh, you know, there's been so much controversy with and and it's so wrongfully placed by people that are completely uneducated, completely funded, right, funded uh, by this fourth unelected branch that they have taken the blueprint of what was given to you to skew it when none of it can be debunked. Uh, Shadowgate gave you that tool. And people seem to forget that there's historical records to show just how all of this happened and why certain players were put into certain places. So um, if you go back to the 90s uh, in Minnesota, again, that duplicity city, there was a massive fraud scheme that the FBI had refused to investigate uh, properly Uh, that um, defrauded people and FBI agents refused to investigate it because it was purposeful. And in that investigation uh, and the people that were responsible for this uh, uh, this fraud on the Twin Cities, uh, investors of the Twin Cities, and a million dollars in the 90s is a lot of money, right, um, was a, a guy named Brad Udmanson, who's also implicated in the Enron scheme too. But it was Jerome Corsi and a guy named Jeffrey that were spearheading this. And we see that there are other people that have come very close, and even in the cabinet of the president, that were involved in these things. Involved with deals with people like the Rockefellers. This, this, uh, this first part of Shadowgate shows you the today. The players of today giving you a little bit of history and how they implicated people that are for America, like Roger Stone, like Manafort, they are pro-America, but they had to dance and work within those realms because that is what was acceptable at the time and how to do things. And these two people who love America were harmed by the very people that had had them uh, under their, I, I don't want to say wing, under their, per, within their purview to destroy them. Yet people like Jerome Corsi, who were the reason these people were pulled in, are free and unscathed, like that fraud in Minnesota. And something that you should understand is, Alex Jones is a good guy. I was his fan all the time. But what you need to understand is that um, he... His operation was created to fail because he was so truthful in the 90s. Excuse me. As we are going to see unfold now, we're going to see how... um, Rod Rosenstein is going to play a key role from his conversations with Canadian intelligence when he went to Canada uh, in 2018, 2019. uh, You have to think why when he was in Congress, he didn't answer certain things like um, signing the FISA warrants because he had to sign on some of them. Uh, It's important that you understand so the first part of Shadowgate was showing how the intelligence community, the state department and the department of justice in our nation are actually run and who runs them. And these companies that we named which are which are just the mainstream names, they have so many of them. They use covert assets and coordinate All of these things that you see today. This is important for you to understand. This is very important. You have to think, go back to an article that I wrote about the FISA warrants, how I, in 2018, made it clear to you what you're going to see, who signed, about Dana Bonte about Yates, about Rod Rosenstein, how I put X's and O's and question marks in there. And they knew when they signed that it's perjury by signing it if they knew that it was false. Do you think that Andy McCabe or all these NSD guys that are now getting the chop didn't know that Carter Page was part of the Central Intelligence Agency? Do you not think that they knew that? Do you believe that just Klein Smith omitting that from documented evidence made it so that they don't that they didn't know? Of course, they knew. They knew. So you have to think if this was all done during a briefing, and the briefings that were given to them were done so by Brennan. Hmm? then who was the person that really sealed the deal? All this information that they gathered wasn't even done by people within the NSD. That's the thing. We have to remember that. We have to remember how it's being done, how they operate. This is how you can understand and predict. So FISA warrants knowingly and willingly falsified and made a mockery of our courts. This is embarrassing on a global stage. Hence why pointing things out makes it even worse sometimes, right, guys? It does make it even worse. Uh, But I think it's important that we do so that way we understand. Hmm. Yes, I have. There you go. The military-industrial complex is... Shameless. Now, listen to this part three, which is very interesting.
10: On the flu vaccines in Massachusetts, they're mandating that children get flu vaccines in order to go back to school. There's a controversy about that. A lot of parents are like, whoa, whoa we, you know, we don't we don't want our kids to get the flu vaccines. Are you worried that on the push for vaccines, these fast vaccines for covid, you might be splitting a coalition of Americans, frankly, in both
7: parties who aren't comfortable well with once you vaccines. get to a certain number you know we use the word herd right once you get to a certain number it's going to go away so you know it doesn't have to be but yeah i mean a lot of people are not going to want to do it. a lot of people don't want to do the flu should cancer. it be mandatory so, you know i never had the flu but i never had a shot i never had the vaccine i come here the first thing is, sir you have to have a flu shot i said why because you have to have it. I say, what's the percentage? And I wasn't thrilled with the percentage. You know, it's like 50%, 55%. Well, but
10: Dr. Fauci said it, it might not give, quote, great protection yeah. because it's a coronavirus.
7: Well, I said, look, if I've never had it, wouldn't it be good? And then I thought I should have it because I'll set an example. So I had it. So I've had it now three times. But, and I still haven't had the flu. So maybe I'll give credit to the flu vaccine. I don't know. You, if you had I, I can say it- this, you'll, you'll, uh, I think we're gonna have a vaccine very soon. A lot of tremendous work has been done. You're gonna have a vaccine, just like we have therapeutics, which to me are even more important. You go into the hospital, you make people better. That's to me the most. But, and we just did the convalescent plasma, I think. And you have other things too. So I think we're gonna have a lot of therapeutics and we're gonna have a vaccine very soon Uh, as to whether or not people take it.
10: Well, 35% say they're not going to take the COVID well, vaccine. They don't want it. So they shouldn't be mandatory. But if you then, add
7: 35 it? to the people that have had it and to all of the other things, you know, people that have had it where in theory, you can't get it, although they found one person and they're making a big deal. One person got it twice. But if you add it all up, it, it gives you very good protection.
10: Um, Biden says he would shut down the economy again if the scientists said that was the right thing to do in the fight against COVID. Yeah
7: would you well i think it's a very dangerous statement for him to make look we knew that no, we did the right thing we shut it down and now we built it up and we're setting records on job numbers we're setting records on retail numbers so this guy comes and i heard it the other day if they said so that means that if some doctor said we have to shut it down we're going to shut it down we're setting records by the way the stock market is at an all-time record right now you look at what's going on in the stock market look at what's going on This, we're going to have a phenomenal year next year. We're going to have a great third quarter. Interestingly, the numbers for the third quarter will come out before the election.
10: Are you worried if something happens on the market and it corrects so in what October, you peg it market, all the Bernie market, and like, Trump's pushing the market?
7: Uh, well, I'll tell you, I can tell you what is happening. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to give any stimulus. We should have. It, it wasn't the people's fault that China gave us this uh, virus. China gave us the virus, whether it was through incompetence or a person. Well, she called
10: you a domestic enemy, an enemy of the state, your supporters. How do you work with her on another stimulus? Well,
7: I always tell will her it happen? Go, I always tell her to go back to San Francisco, take care of your homeless problem take care of your problem in California, because there's nothing like what I'm witnessing out there. Right outside, right where she lives, right in her district is so bad, needles all over the place. Will you
10: get a stimulus
7: or not? Well, we should have. We'd like to get it for the people because it wasn't their fault, but she doesn't want to give it because that will make the economy a little bit better, and that would be a terrible thing.
10: If you had to do it all again, I know that's kind of a hard question, but do it all again, would you put Fauci front and center every day in charge of the coronavirus task force.
7: I get along with him very well. I disagree with a lot of what he said. He said, keep it uh, open for China. That was, he's been here for 40 years. 84,
10: 1984. Okay, he's
7: been here for many, many years. Uh, But, and I, you know, you inherit a lot of people. It's part of the machinery. And you have some you love, some you don't. I like them, I don't agree with them that often, but I like them.
10: And when you look look back on the last four years and uh, the first three were, Impeachment, Mueller, pandemic, Never investigations. Yeah. Uh, what do you say to the American people about what they don't see when they're doing interviews like this? how How you cope with this constant barrage from the hill? there's always there's yeah. always back and forth, that's fine. But it's been different for you.
7: It's been different because I've accomplished so much on the military I've accomplished. First of all, bringing many of the troops home and most of the troops home, even cutting down Germany, okay, because they've taken advantage of us, I wouldn't believe. But uh, it's been different for a lot of different reasons. I think primarily because they've accomplished so much.
1: Primarily because he accomplished so much. You know, the president himself had said uh, that, um, you know, look look at these leftists. They are Releasing criminals, and he said it with his own words: "States attorneys and attorney generals are going after people for political reasons, and not for what is a crime." And that is a fact that happens all the time. I want you to um, to listen to um, Lindsey Graham. Okay, this is this is the last thing we're going to play for today. But he had a presser with law enforcement, and today while we were on air, so it's quite interesting if you hear his words right now, uh, so you understand where he is at. Uh, it's um, it's pretty incredible. Let me play this for you. Uh, it's it's just you can see right through all of it. Take a listen.
9: Then all of 2019 combined, there's a 28 percent increase. Of fatalities among police officers killed in the line of duty, lying in, dying in the line of duty. It is dangerous. It's unnecessarily dangerous. So law enforcement and law and order is on the ballot. I wouldn't take a cent from these people. And the new one today is Planned Parenthood is making the case why we should defund the police. So the bottom line is I want to say thank you to the Florence County Sheriff's Department, to everybody in law enforcement, to our wildlife officers, all those who wear the badge to protect us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And to the spouses, thank you. I've been in the military until I retired for 33 years. I was in the National Guard when our unit got called up in Desert Shield and Desert Storm. When the pilots left, along with the maintenance crews my job was to take care of the families as their lawyer every day we'd get a phone call about who returned and whether or not they all made it that was a gut-wrenching day every day so to the spouses of law enforcement we honor you and here's my commitment to you to make sure that your loved ones have the equipment they need the training they deserve and that when somebody does them harm, we come down like a ton of bricks on them. Thank you very much. Questions?
8: Questions. Questions? Senator, can I ask you about the speech Joe Biden gave yesterday as he was responding to a lot of this over the last uh, few weeks and, and the message from the convention
9: last week? He asked a question, he meant it historically, but I want to ask you it literally, because you have known Joe Biden for many years, you called him a good guy. Uh, He said, do I really look to you like (laughs) a a radical socialist with a soft spot for rioters? Um, What what would your answer be to that question? Well, I would say this to uh, Joe Biden, you need to reject moveon.org. You need to tell them, I don't want any money from you. You need to stand up to the people who are in control of your party. (laughs) You need to speak out at your convention about riots in the street and the destruction of property. You had your chance. You had a whole week to tell us what you thought about law enforcement.
1: A whole week? Okay, Lindsay, this is is grandstanding. I know he wants to get reelected, but he's done nothing. Think about it. He's been there. Who is he subpoenaed that actually makes sense? He's like, we will, we will. What has he done? What has he done? Absolutely nothing. He's done, abso- he's actually a roadblock.
9: The reason you're out now is because the tide has turned. Yeah, I like Joe Biden fine, but the agenda coming out of Joe, Bar- Joe Biden's party is devastating for public safety.
7: And he can't we
9: had a whole week and we talked about this endlessly. We had victims of violent crime. We had family members of slain police officers. So if you want to know what the two parties think about policing, you got their conventions to look at. This is important to me. It's important to the president. And giving a speech now after the tide has turned is not persuasive. As to my opponent, you've taken money from Planned Parenthood. You've taken money from moveon.org. Don't tell me. That the people who want to defund the police do not see an ally in you why are they giving you this money because they know you'll be lockstep with a democratic senate that is hell-bent on changing the structure of society this is just not about the cops if they get in charge of everything they're going to increase the number of supreme court justices to the loop a right of center majority they're going to make puerto rico and DC a state which gives us less influence. I cannot tell you how important this election is. With me, you're gonna get somebody who will work with Democrats when it makes sense. I've worked on immigration to my own detriment, but I will not support giving illegal immigrants free healthcare and decriminalizing coming across the border costs will be overrun. I voted for Sotomayor and Kagan because I thought they were qualified. They tried to destroy Kavanaugh's life. A good man. And I stood up for him because he deserved it. I will stand up for you. I will have your family's back because we owe it to you. Thank you very much. The
10: president, could I tell you one more thing? The president is going to go to Wisconsin today against the wishes of Governor Wisconsin, against like the Mayor
9: Wisconsin, You say it's only going to ratchet up them that Biden said yesterday was the job of the president in a moment like this, a moment of Congress, is to lower the temperature, to stoke uh, more anger. Do you think that this president has has done? I think this president has offered help to any and all cities that are in flames. I think there were 45 people shot in Chicago over the weekend, 10 dead, two police officers wounded. I think things are out of control and the president is offering assistance. I think it's good that he goes to Wisconsin. Uh, as to taking arms up and going out into the streets, I don't agree with that. We do not want citizens to take up arms, go out into the street and try to take over the job of the police. But for that not to happen, the police have to have the support they need. Our vacuums will be filled. Lethal force used by a police officer should be examined because that is a major event to use lethal force. But I would say this. All of us have a duty to obey law enforcement when they ask of us legal things. If you have a warrant outstanding, then you have to submit to the warrant. There's a rule of law. You can contest it. You just can't take matters into your own hands. You shouldn't go out in the street with an AR-15. I believe in the rule of law. Did you hear that? I've been a judge, a prosecutor, and a defense attorney. And every now and then you'll run across someone who doesn't wear the badge well. And there are problems out there where black men are stopped disproportionate to everybody else in the country. I want to work on that. I want to reform the police not demean them. What can you say
1: for Okay, so are you listening to him? Because here is where he's telling you. See, everybody tells you who they are if you're listening. He's telling you who he is. He's coming after your guns. He's claiming that people should just submit, uh, you know, uh, to this and that. Uh, what you mean, obeying the law? Okay, yeah, you do. But when the law itself is corrupt, he's saying, "I want to reform them." He's saying that black people are disproportionately arrested. Listen to the talking points. He's telling you who he is. Global law enforcement guys
9: behind me who <laughs> do so much to keep us safe. During these times, so many people seem to be bashing. Bessa, like, what can I say to the voters? If you vote for me, I've got their back. I'm not taking money from people who wanted to fund the police and give it to other groups. I'm not going to be part of a group of people who won't even mention the fact that there's lawlessness in the streets. So if you, as a voter...
1: He's pointing to these elected... Persons. Yes,
9: as a citizen, want to make sure the cops know they're appreciated, elect people who will show that appreciation. Why are they endorsing me? Because I've been there when they need me. I've been there for bulletproof fest. I've been there for law enforcement grants to supplement local budgets. I've been there every time they needed me in the Senate. That's why they're with me. And how do I pay them back? Just stand up when it counts. And I don't mind pushing reform. With Tim Scott, I have. But the one thing I want you to know, and these people behind me to know, is that people in South Carolina are tired of this. We've had enough. We want to get our country back. Peaceful protest, yes. Burning down the cities, no.
5: It
1: wasn't time to implement all this stuff, guys. We hadn't subdued all of them. Why did you start all these riots when people haven't been subdued?
9: Declaring war on the cops is declaring war on your security as a family, as a business. For 90-something days, how can you operate in Portland? This is not coming here. If you want to protest, you can do it. It's as American as apple pie. But I'm not going to tolerate sitting on the sidelines and being quiet. Thank you all. Wow.
1: Wow, that's cray cray. That door does. That
4: door.
9: All right. Thank you all for
7: coming. I'm very proud of y'all. I my son is going to be upset because you came to town. I'm doing a black robber.
1: How corrupt are they? They pander to the people. They make statements to the people that are just horrific. These are coup crimes (laughs) and they're just sitting there and just letting it happen. It is just incredible. So President Trump is going to be live streaming now uh, in Wisconsin about Wisconsin community safety. So that's interesting. I'm going to tell you that um, the things that we're going to see from Judge Emmett Sullivan are going to be incredible. He's probably pushing back the resolution until after the election. They do not want General Flynn uh, to be allowed um, to do anything. Uh, It's uh, pretty, pretty incredible. On that note, uh, we're going to end this. I wish you guys a great uh, evening and stay tuned because there's going to be more uh, coming.